0: Check, check. Beep. Check, check, check.
1: Beep, beep, beep.
0: Hello. Oh, my goodness. That was loud.
1: Uh, oh, God, oh, Jesus.
0: <clears throat> oh, wow. All right. Three, two, one. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Failure Peace Theater. I am your amiable co host, Tim, and joining me as always is.
1: Catherine.
0: And we are back after a short hiatus. Uh, one of us—I'm not going to say who—got to go on a wonderful European vacation in the yeah. Chevy Chase model, yeah. While one of us got to sit at work and stare at computer screens and be very happy about my ability to contribute to America's GDP. Like that's—that's that's really the what I'm workforce. excited about. That's right for the glorious workforce. For our glorious leaders, I am contributing as a taxpaying member of society. While one of us, oh, wait, that's, I'm not going to say which
2: one.
0: <laughs> no, sorry. You just got back from an awesome, awesome uh, vacation, and you are uh, seemingly rested. Yeah. And uh, you obviously binge-watched a bunch of things instead of going out and experiencing nature like a good American. Uh...
2: We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But no, uh, we are here. Uh, it's, it's about halfway through our our calendar year uh, in both Europe and America. And so we decided it might be fun to kind of recap some of the highlights, right? Some media highlights. We're, we're doing our summer catch up. Um, not necessarily things that counted as failures. In fact, some of these things have been wild successes. But you know what? Sometimes I feel like watching something that's good too. And that's okay. That's all right. Um, some people may even say it's preferable. But uh, so we're just going to kind of roll through. Uh, Initially, I think uh, we'll organize it by streaming service, you know, like where might you be able to view this thing? Um, But then towards the end, we'll just kind of talk about whatever strikes the fancy, if that's okay. Um, So uh, so what's been going on with you? Uh, Do you want to give a a couple of trip highlights?
2: Um, Sort
1: of
0: like what you were up to? uh,
1: Yes, I I spent two weeks doing a lot like I uh, spent about a week just wandering around Stockholm here and seeing you know, some museums and other sites that I had uh, planned on seeing like there's an amusement park here in Stockholm. That's a lot of fun. And then I spent a whole week in Finland, which is kind of like a dream. I always wanted to visit there and it is just as beautiful as I thought it would be Um. And I can't wait to go back. <laughs> uh, I got Fantastic. to I got to see a medieval castle. I toured toured an old castle. I mean, I sound like such an American right now. Any European <laughs> listener would be like, "Ugh, they're the going on about castles, the castles again."
2: The...
1: Uh, but it was really cool. What
0: about the bike lanes?
1: Uh... <laughs> what do you think about our efforts to recycle? Come on. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was absolutely beautiful, as beautiful, if not more beautiful, than I thought it was going to be.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not jealous at all. And actually, I think you were the one that had the worst time, you know, because again, yeah. I was working, supporting our dear leaders. You, uh, so my...
1: you were furthering <laughs> the the capitalistic goals of the United States. And Precisely. We need yes. you at times I like was, this.
0: I was man in the high
1: castle. That's what I was doing. Um, no. Which
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I did finish. Uh, I actually wanted to read the book. Uh, so I actually queued that up as one of my my commute audiobooks and uh, went through that. Um, that book is nothing like the television show
1: no, <laughs> like not at
0: all uh, I mean, it's conceptually there are core key concepts, yes, but um that is a strange book That one of the final major plot points, and maybe this is in the show. I haven't watched that deep into it. uh one of the finer major plot points. Is that's uh, one of the main characters uh, Julia I guess which that is the character in the show uh, the, the judo instructor or whatever hmm she goes to meet you know the eponymous man in the high castle the mm-hmm. writer of this bombastic just earth shattering text about the alternate future where America won World War two and and the major plot point in the book is that she's bought this new dress to go and meet him but she left the new bra that she bought to wear with the dress that allowed her to have her shoulders exposed in the hotel where she murdered someone. So she can't go back. And so there is a a good, I'm going to go ahead and say about 350 words describing sort of like how her breasts have to sort themselves inside of this dress and how sort of afraid she is. About you know like hey are they gonna pop out you know like what's what's gonna happen here with my and the, breast situation and, and when what I this go to was
1: is that <clears throat> men thought that women didn't like to read science fiction books I am mm. pretty sure
0: yeah I'm pretty sure Philip K Dick never envisioned a woman reading one of his books at any point yeah
1: because I I don't know why so many writers have to write about how boobs fit into clothing. And mm-hmm. still manage to get it so wrong
0: <laughs> yeah it's wrong on every level it's laughably <laughs> wrong how how like he just does not understand fitment and and how that works but so all of that all of that like set up page after page of setup of oh my breasts and oh this dress <laughs> oh
1: my breasts
0: um, oh my breasts and oh this Ooh. dress and, uh, off to the men in the castle we go um the whole thing comes down to in this final conversation where they're talking about things like truth, and reality the writer guy points at her chest and says are is your reality as real as those Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <Ta-da>.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> just the best i was i was in my car i'm by myself right i'm driving down a country lane to get to my job and and i just my jaw just just dropped like wait what all of that was just so that he could make a are those real joke like what is happening philip k dick you're so high you're on so many methamphetamines i I took some pills But uh, i
1: I don't know what they were but they looked so good took these blue ones they make me see bras bras and glorious four dimensions (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just it was wonderful or my like, oh yes this is why the representation in science fiction literature is so so important <laughs> just so important because uh, it was dominated by the old men's club for far far too long uh in any case uh, so yeah um we're, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to catch up with uh, what we've watched and enjoyed in the last little bit of time. And uh, I think we're going to try and arrange it by streaming service. As I said, uh, just sort of like what we've watched on what, so that you, if you haven't seen these things can hopefully go out and find them too. Uh, so I think we'll start with Disney plus. Uh, I am enjoying Disney plus as a service. It is a juggernaut at this point, I suppose it certainly has the deepest back catalog. Um, of of, you know, sort of a single studio's incorporated titles, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, so much so that I I kind of had an inkling to rewatch the Prince of Persia film, the Jake Gyllenhaal one,
2: Hold where Jake on. Gyllenhaal
0: plays a Persian prince. Um, you know, as as you would. You
1: mean the Prince right? of Persia?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and so we we rewatched that because it too is on Disney Plus. I was like, wow, that's that's a bit of a deep cut even for Disney. Not everything is on. Di- uh, Disney Plus. You you still can't get Song of the South, for example. They're not going to put that one <laughs> in the old archives. But uh, not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, what was What is, what is that Song
1: even? of the South? Oh, I don't think that's Wally in the Disney catalog.
0: Doodle Wally Day. I, just, where's that coming from? Anyway. Um, so Disney Plus has been it's been just dropping shows. I mean, just a constant stream of please don't cancel your Disney Plus subscription oriented shows. And uh, a couple of Marvel projects. Uh, I don't know if you've seen either of these, but I'll I'll kind of talk about them a little bit. Uh, first being Moon Knight, uh, which of course was Oscar Isaac's introduction to the MCU, um, and uh, I was I was really pleased with it. I, I thought it was okay. Um, I think Hollywood's track record at dealing with people who suffer from uh, DID, from you know, yeah, uh, identities disorders of all kinds, but definitely uh, you know what would general, what would once have been called multiple personality disorder now is disassociative identity disorder. Um, there, Hollywood's handling of that is, is bad. Just always bad. Um, you know, they're, they're the psychopaths on that weird episode of criminal minds or whatever. Um, and so Moon Knight, at least, you know, and having the hero be the, you know, the central focused and have that disorder, uh, I think was good. And Oscar Isaac certainly plays it to the hilt as he is wont to do. Um, Moon Knight is a complicated character for lots of reasons, apart from the dissociative identity disorder. He's also like, you know, the herald of an ancient Egyptian God that they kind of just made up kind of thing, you know, like, so there's other other issues with Moon Knight's mythology that make it kind of complex, but I really enjoyed it. It was, it was spearheaded by an an Egyptian director. So he had a sort of like really good understanding of Egyptian culture for obvious reasons and was able to sort of bring a lot of life to the film or to the project because of that. So so it's a, a pretty big recommend for me, especially if you have any love for Moon Knight at all, which um, I was most into Moon Knight back during uh, the, the late 90s, early 2000s run. Uh, he had, like, a really good run at that time. Um, but it was just cool to see that character represented. I don't know if you've had a chance to check that out yet or not.
1: I have not. I've kind of followed some of the talk about it on Twitter, but, you know, Twitter is... A wasteland. I'm not sure anyone um, should be reading about TV shows on Twitter or movies or I culture just, or events. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Life. Don't, don't read Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the goal here. Uh, I have noticed a severe uptick really even in just the last year, sort of as, as the pandemic settled in, I guess, of people writing articles saying that people are angry about a thing based on one to five tweets. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has just become so common. Like entire clickbait articles that are like, people online are really upset about X. And then their evidence for the upset that people online are experiencing is like a tweet from a person with 37 numbers in their name. They got 40 likes.
1: Like, oh, see? See? 41 people.
0: (laughs) And it just reminds me of that episode of Family Guy where Peter works at the TV station. And they have that whole joke sequence where, like, sir, we've got a letter. What? <laughs> a letter. Oh, my God. A letter? That means a billion people are angry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like that same principle applied to tweets, which are nothing, right? They're they're literally less than nothing. Uh, and Yeah, that's becoming super common. You know, like, there'll be one thing that happens in an episode of a show that's maybe questionable, which... Is going to happen, you know, and then it's like, oh, people online are upset about X, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know if they are really. So, uh, yeah, don't look to Twitter for your advice about uh, watching. Uh, it's not a place to go for for that kind of thing you anymore at one time, maybe. But uh, yeah, but so Moon Knight, solid. Uh, I'll roll right from that into Ms. Marvel, which is currently airing. Uh, the last episode should air this coming week. Um, and that I think. You know, the article talk around that one, the the sort of internet talk, is that people aren't watching it. It may be one of the best shows they've done so far, but nobody's watching. Why? Well, I can tell you why. Because it's focused on Muslim characters and people are terrible. Um, That's probably why they aren't watching. But I will go ahead and say it it actually is really solid. I also think the trailers were bad. The trailers looked like it was going to be a Disney XD show.
1: I think they all look really bad. Like... (laughs) I'm having a hard time with these TV shows because I just can't tell them apart anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's a Marvel problem in general. Yeah. Like most Marvel movies don't visually distinguish themselves. That was one of the nice things about Dr. Strange is they did let Sam Raimi, at least Sam raimi mm-hmm. some of it. So it looked a little weird. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, an issue, but I think the family drama side of Ms. Marvel, where it is just kind of about this, this Muslim American family trying to navigate what that means by itself. And then this girl having the, you know, sort of additional complication of also now having superpowers, you know, but it's, it's very good. Uh, it's well-written, very well acted. The girl, the, the woman who plays Kamala's mom is just fantastic. Like really, really good. Um, so yeah, just a, a really solid, show uh I think it will find its audience if it hasn't already. And that's the other piece of it. People who are complaining all the time like, oh this is the least watched show on Disney's streaming service. I'm like, how do you know that? Disney doesn't release those numbers, right? I mean what are you basing that on? My Some feeling other service my that tries to monitor
1: streams. Intuition about TV shows. <laughs> I'm always right.
0: hmm I finished this and I don't feel like other people did. I'd have no reason to know or believe that but i just think so
1: i just give a gut feeling that everyone I mean, agrees from, with me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean aside from the fact that the internal metrics of what disney considers a success on disney plus is entirely up to them right like it's it's really oh oh there's an episode of uh barry in season three where there's a streaming service involved in, in a project that we get to sort of see behind the scenes and it's just this boardroom and these two people are sitting there talking about taste clusters so we have taste clusters that are activating at these various points and that's how they like gauge success of shows it's so silly but anyway um so ms marvel also good um the the last one i guess we should talk about is uh Obi. obi-wan
1: kenobi
0: that's right he's back um Will mcgregor steps back into the booties i have not
1: i have not watched this but i have okay. watched the half in the bag breakdowns oh, of it <laughs> because i don't know at this point yeah. i just don't know if i can sit through a lot of star wars um yeah
0: we're we're at that phase now where star wars is everywhere all the time yeah
1: and i do love ewan mcgregor he's and he
0: brings it that is something unequivocal like if he's lovely if this, <laughs> the sole reason to watch this show is to watch ewan mcgregor who has grown tremendously as an actor since his time in the prequels even though he was already very good in the prequels he anchors those three very mediocre films and turns them into semi-watchable mediocre films but to see him come back to the character and then actually be given a space to to emote right to experience internal conflict um is is quite the sight to behold it's in many ways the series is very small and very quiet it is not difficult to see that it originally was going to be a two-hour Star Wars story, um, and then they just sort of had to expand that concept to get into, you know, six-hour premium format television. But um, I, I will say this, and this may make it more palatable to you. I don't know where I'm not. I don't know where to find this, but being an internet savvy lady like you are, oh yes, someone took the six hours of Kenobi and cut it into a a two-and-a-half-hour movie.
1: Oh, that would be great.
0: And apparently it is (laughs) nigh-perfect. Like People are like, this is what this should have been. Um, So I would recommend go and find that, because there are some scenes in this show that you will absolutely want to see, because they are very cool. Some Darth Vader scenes.
1: I really enjoyed yeah. watching Rich Evans complain about Star Wars. <laughs> it's always That's...
0: fun. Yeah,
1: love. He has Rich. all
0: sorts of interesting complaints about Star Wars and how it functions.
1: He's wonderful.
0: Uh, but yeah, so maybe that version. If if you're you're struggling with the time commitment and whether or not you want to see six hours of this, completely understandable. But I would I would go and look for that two and a half hour version. Um, I will say I enjoyed it. I do not think it's perfect. There are certainly there's so much suspension of disbelief going on when you watch something like Star Wars Anyway that I was surprised at the number of times I was pulled out of the show by going like, but why did they do that? Um, so oh, I'll, I'll give you an example. So there's like a siege later in the, the season, right? Where the the Empire has found the rebels or the Resistance or whatever they're calling themselves at that point. Who knows? And so they bring out this big... Um, you know, like siege weapon blaster that's going to blow the doors apart. And they're they're shooting it, and it's like, fire, you know, fire, and the door is not, not collapsing, right? Um, and, and so they do that for a while, and everybody's like running around on the other side of the door being like, get ready, you know, hold, and the door's not giving. And then Obi-Wan's like, I'll, I'll distract them, I'll, I'll, I'll do something, you know, to keep them from blowing through the door. And so he walks up and he sort of uses the force to get the attention of one of the force users on the other side. And he's like talking to her mentally. He's like, I can I can help you. You know, I can do something. And then she's like, I don't, I don't need your help, you know, or whatever. And and then she just like puts her lightsaber through the door and cuts it open. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, why mm. didn't you just do that? Why are mm. we shooting the door with a gun? Because we need to imagine tension. Uh, exactly. You know, cause that would be too fast and the people wouldn't be able to gather on the other side and have conversations about what are they're going to do next. You know, like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of lore reason, like the door had to be weakened or something. Cause like when Qui-Gon went through the door, he had to melt a little bit in the middle and before he could open it. Right. So maybe it's, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But there were moments like that in the show that I was like, uh, but why, why like that? You know, like those kind of things. Um but otherwise it's it's really pretty solid. Like it's a, a fairly a fairly fun little show. And and again just seeing you and McGregor back in that role and doing so well with it was was certainly a pleasure. So um fun one there. Um another one I'll throw out just as a side gag, uh Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Mm. Um Lonely it's Island weird, guys. Weird. Interesting jokes. Why? Uh sort of it's sort of like they. i think somebody on that team was like we're making a new roger rabbit that's what we're doing
1: one thing the world didn't need
0: (laughs) and and so it kind of has that quality because it's it's all kinds of animated characters not just disney um although that's the bulk of them of course and and it just kind of rolls through and and it's it's a pleasant diversion if you want to to sort of engage with that. But the best joke in the movie, the literal best joke is Dale has, uh, not Dale but chip chip has left the industry, right? Like after the cancellation of chip and Dale rescue ragers, he just walked away from acting and now he's an insurance adjuster for, uh, Oh, what was the name of the company? Uh, coercive insurance. And, and he's their top sales guy and has been for years. And so there's a shot of him like leaving work and walking home you know his his daily commute and so he's walking down the street and he's eating nuts or something but he has airpods in his ears and of course like chipmunk ears are super high on the head so he's got like airpods shoved in and sort of jutted out at angles in his little chipmunk ears and so he gets home and he goes inside and he's got a little docking station for his his earbuds right inside his door and there's just this brief little moment. He pops the earbuds out and you know, like you can hear the song playing and it's like the hardest of hard death metal. <laughs> like he just pops out and it's like, rah, 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 and he just like slides it into the dock and walks inside. Like nothing's happened. It, that was the best joke in the movie for me. Like it's just perfect. The, the chip, this tiny little,
2: <laughs> tiny
0: little chipmunk uh, just listens to hardcore death metal and his pleasant and, and relaxing walk home from work every day. Uh, mm. It was great. But anyway, Uh, it's, it's fine. If you have Disney plus in an afternoon, go ahead. Uh, so any other, uh, any Disney plus or Disney plus material that you've seen that you would want to highlight or
1: call out? Um, the mostly Disney plus is a a Simpsons delivery vehicle for me um and a good one at that yeah except
0: for some of the weird episodes that they've cut and you can't find
1: yeah and they cut some gags um however i'm so a lot of those things are just dug in so deep that it's really interesting to watch edited episodes um because on the other side of it i am used to watching like the um the trimmed episodes for television like for syndication.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So it's been fun to see them restored, but then also interesting that some of them have been clipped. Um, clipped
0: in other ways, yeah.
1: But yeah, that's what Disney Plus is for me. It's it's just Simpsons all the way. Uh, and I've been watching, uh, I think we're on season 11 now. My my partner is from Finland, and they didn't syndicate the Simpsons as steadily there um throughout the years throughout his youth as they did in mm-hmm. the United States of course uh so he missed quite a few episodes um especially getting past like maybe season 6 so we've been sure. watching some of those and boy it just never gets old up until like <laughs> season 15 that's where i tap out
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah you made it you can make it a little farther than i can it's like 12 13 for me where i'm like okay like but they it was really just cuz they fell into that formula and they simplified all the characters right like homer loses most of his complexity and just becomes a moron
1: my um, my theory has know. always <clears throat> been that once family guy entered the stage the simpson writers felt pressure to be pressure, more topical yeah. and to be simpler and that's that's really a shame cuz the the show has suffered
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's really a unique problem for a animated series that has spanned what would normally be three lifetimes of an animated series, you know, like it has spanned
1: almost my entire life. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, yeah. I kind of don't remember when it wasn't on.
0: (laughs) No, especially I mean, if you include the Tracy Ullman stuff. I mean, you're you're. You would have been like three or four.
1: Yeah, it was would 1989, so yeah. I would have been would have been four. three, almost four.
0: Three, yeah.
1: Well, it was Christmas, so I was four. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> you were four at that point, but yeah. So it's, it's it is a remarkable thing, but yes, uh, I will I will say that Disney Plus remains one of the best values in terms of the, just the absolute depth of its catalog, like uh, and it's the depth of the catalog of stuff that you would actually want to watch. Like most, you know, Netflix has an incredibly deep catalog, but like 85% of it is just garbage, right? It's just, I don't even want to ever engage with this material kind of stuff. But like this is um, all Disney, Disney
1: and it's Disney hmm. quality.
0: Exactly. Which is is cool. So, uh, All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of Paramount Plus shows. Um, oh, that's yeah. my most recent addition in terms of streaming service access.
1: Not to be? <laughs>
0: Um, you know, Tubi's going to be on the top forever. It's just the best. Uh, so 2B. many American haunting films. Uh, I think we're up to 15. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, no, Paramount Plus uh, is is of course now the the home of Star Trek. And apparently once all the current licensing deals expires, it will be the exclusive place to watch anything that relates to Star Trek. Um, And as a lifelong Star Trek uh, person, uh, aficionado, what have you, uh, William T. Riker fan club member. uh, I like Star Trek and I want to be able to watch Star Trek when I want to. But the thing that I really wanted to to talk about was uh, Strange New Worlds, which just wrapped up its first season last week. And golly gee, uh, I know we've talked about it before, but. After watching this first season, it is truly one of the best Star Trek things I've seen in a really long time. Now, granted, Star Trek has been fighting hard for the last, you know, 15 years to set the bar as low as possible. (laughs) But uh, Strange New Worlds is great. It's um, it's syndicated style Star Trek again, but with very nice production values, a fantastic cast uh, And the thing that I think it made me realize is that one of the reasons why Star Trek was so successful is that by and large, not always, but by and large, the, the casts of the main line, that sort of trunk line Star Trek series always seemed like they liked working with each other. Like they were having a good time making the show and this one definitely feels like that too. Like, I think these people are genuinely having a good time and that just kind of exudes from the screen. Um, The season finale was great. Um, They, they further cemented it into the sort of original series timeline and how this show fits and where it will make its exit um, from, you know, Star Trek canon. Like they're not, because there's obviously we know what happens to Christopher Pike, right? And the show deals with that very openly we're well aware of it, but they have seemed throughout the season to sort of at least dally, you know, sort of dingle, dangle the idea in <laughs> front dingle of us. Dangle. That maybe, <laughs> we're going to dingle, dangle this idea that maybe he can change his fate, right? Maybe Pike can figure out a way over the course of this show to not have that happen to him in, you know, that other show. And uh, they basically, with this episode, were like, no. We are not going to undo Canon because you guys, because you assholes like Pike so much. Um, that is Pike's future. And that just gets like set in stone in this one in a really, really cool way. Um, like I said, we might talk about it offline if you're interested, um, Sure, but I- I'm not going to say it here because it is brand new. It just happened. So, um, but it's, it's, it's really good. It's really good the way that they decided to do it. And, uh, and you know, just, just a, a fun show. And that's the thing is like, it's not, there is certainly a lot of emotion to this. There is an episode a few back because the doctor in this timeline is Mbenga, who was like one of the chief medical assistants. Once McCoy came in under, so he's, we've seen him in Star Trek before, uh, but in this one, he's chief medical officer of the enterprise. And in this one, they give him a, a backstory that his wife died in some kind of accident. And his daughter has an advanced, form of leukemia that is is killing her basically and there is no current scientific technology that would allow Mbenga to heal it even with all of the technology that they have it's like a they they use the term I assume it's sort of an amalgam or a combination of an existing term but it sounds like in essence her cells are tearing themselves apart and so he has stored her in the medical emergency transporter pattern buffer Like he transported her and didn't transport her out and he's keeping her in there so that she can't age and the condition can't advance. Oh. And, and then he, he pulls her out for like an hour every couple of days and they read a book together and, and he reads to her and he talks to her and she like has no idea that she's, it's been like seven Mm -hmm. or eight years since all this started. And Mbenga is crushed by this, like, and it's played by the guy who played um, um, Jameis at the end of Villeneuve's Dune, right? Uh, Bob's Olamakun, I think his name is. Um, And he is so good. Like, uh, he is mind-bogglingly good as Mbenga. Like, just unbelievably so. But then they have an episode come in where they, it's just, I'm going to tell you this and you're going to, you're going to think the same way that I do, that it's the most Star Trek thing you've ever heard. They roll up on this nebula, right? Cause it's Star Trek and they're just like doing science, right? Like, Oh, we're going to send in probes and we're going to look at this thing. Oh, we're getting some weird readings. Oh man, these readings are so strange. It's almost like, it's almost like there's a life form inside that nebula. <laughs> and then like, bam, everything stops and Mbenga is the king of the book that he was reading with his daughter, and the entire ship has been redone. All of the mainline characters have become characters from the book, and he has to play through the story of the book (sighs) in order to, like, rescue his daughter, who has disappeared from the medical transporter.
1: very next generation.
0: Exactly. I was like, you are kidding me. They're doing the strange life form in the Nebula story?
2: We're back, baby! That's great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: is it's it's so good right but uh yeah it's and it's a beautiful episode it resolves beautifully just well acted well written just that kind of stuff man that's that to me that's part of star trek it was there was even an episode that was sort of like echoes of echoes of an inner light a little bit you know just the sort of like character's gonna go have this experience apart from everybody else like it just, just very cool. Um, very aware of Star Trek. Very aware of the types of stories that Star Trek is good at telling. You know, and it's it just works. And I'm, and like I said, the the cast is stellar. The costuming is incredible. The way that they've updated, because I mean that's the problem, right? You go back and watch TOS now in high definition, and those costumes look like garbage, dude. <laughs> like it's they're uh-huh. you know. I mean, not garbage. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: no, it looks like garbage.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it's velour, right? Like yeah. velour shirts. And velour just, it doesn't hang well. It doesn't fit people's bodies well. It's just, it's its whatever. It worked for what they needed it to do. It established a very cool precedent for what Star Trek uniforms could look like. But um, the way they've updated the uniforms now to keep the lines, keep the the images, but sort of layered additional detail, almost like they're saying... Well, you watch the original series, but you know it's it was older. You know, it was older film technology. Maybe if you could have gotten close enough, or you could have gotten in enough, you would have seen all this like cool detail, like for example, on on the uniforms, right? They have these strong shoulders, you know, well, not shoulder pads, but very you know strong shoulder lines. And if you get in close enough, you can see that patterned on the sleeves along the shoulders. You know, sort of where the typical cut would be, like, on the next-gen uniforms, where the black would transition to the command color or whatever. In that place are these tiny little, like, 3D-printed little, like, symbols for their area, right? So, like, little command symbols are, like, all 3D-printed in these rows on the shoulders. Science has little science rings. You know, medical has little, you know, medical, you know, red (laughs) red crosses. You know, (laughs) like, it's just it's just, they have figured out ways to sort of add detail and create, you know, some additional complexity in the costumes that still hang with the originals, you know, uniforms, but are, you know, visually interesting enough to sort of, you know, stand up to today's more advanced filming techniques. So just very cool. I can't speak highly enough of strange new worlds. I'm so excited for where that show's headed and the cast they've got. They kind of end the first season on a bit of a cliffhanger, which is also fun and very, you know, Star Trek syndicated show E, which is nice. Um, I don't know. I think it's worth noting that one of the main producers and writers on this show is Jenny Lumet, uh, one of the daughters of Sidney Lumet. Really? Uh, like, great filmmaker, 12 Angry Men, Sidney Lumet. Holy shit. And and I don't know. You can feel it now. Granted, Akiva Goldsman is also still listed as a producer, and he's written some episodes that have not been terrible, which shocks me because Akiva Goldsman sucks.
2: <laughs> but,
0: but he, again, I feel like there's just there's good voices in the room making good choices. So um, I I have no problem in saying it is absolutely worth paying the six bucks or whatever for Paramount Plus at least for a month or doing the free trial and just binging Strange New Worlds. And then if you wash your hands of it and say like I don't care anymore you're good but it's it's worth experiencing just so high quality excellent stuff and the opening oh god the opening title credits i know mm.
1: i have watched that oh that's
0: so good i mean it just it reminds me of voyager like his voyager was such a huge step in star trek intros of actually seeing the ship moving through spatial phenomenon and stuff like it was i remember when when voyager came out like i my little like you know 15 year old brain was just like oh my god you know like i can't no
1: oh, and then so you watched the show and it wasn't quite as good as that opening
0: no but the opening was way better <laughs> i watched It had the, they show the spirit of the thing <laughs> um but anyway so it's it's so good anyway i i could gush about strange new worlds for for many 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 hours but uh, it's it's great and i i can't wait for you to see some of the stuff i will um I will will definitely help you get access if that's what you need. Uh, but I don't even know. I don't even know if Paramount Plus is available in your region. I I hadn't even thought about that.
1: I don't know either. It's gotta be.
0: I mean, Star Trek's universe. I
1: know there point. are YouTube videos are not available in my region. Well, that's true. <laughs> sounds really weird when I say that. <laughs> my region. <laughs> my region.
0: I live in a different region from you now. Yeah. Um, the only other one I'll call out on Paramount Plus is uh, a remake of a BBC comedy called Ghosts. Mm. Um, the original one was actually uh, among other people, it was Simon Farnaby from like Mighty Boosh and all those shows. Um, and the premise is great. A uh, young couple in, in desperate search of housing. Very topical. Uh, f- they inherit a uh, manor in, in sort of the, the the rural area in the original it's rural England, it's like, you know, mid-England, Cornwall kind of stuff, I think. I don't remember. But in this one, it's like they live in New York and this is like upstate New York and it's this abandoned manor. So they decide to turn it into a B and B, but when they move in, what they discover is that there are ghosts who live there. And it's anybody who's died at the property is, you know, stays. And in the American version, uh, it's Rose not Rose Leslie. Rose McIver, the one who's an eye zombie. And the princess. Oh, what are those movies on Netflix that are really popular? Christmas Diary. I don't remember. There's like some some like romance romance movies that have done really well. And and she The Christmas Prince, is that what it is? Uh <laughs> I I feel like you're speaking a foreign
1: language right now. Yeah. I'm
0: just assembling words, just (laughs) holiday and, you know, a symbol for royalty, slam it together. We've got a Hallmark special, Uh, but it's uh, Rose McIver. She's, she's great. And she ends up like falling down some stairs and and basically almost dying. Like she breaks her neck and nearly dies. And then afterwards she can see and interact with the ghosts that live in the house. Oh, her, her uh, husband cannot, but she can. And so it's, But it's it's the cast of ghosts that makes it because there's a Viking who died when he was exploring. um, And after he was left behind on an expedition, there's a Native American who is just not having any of this.
2: (laughs) Just very
0: funny. There is a like wealthy land baron who apparently is the one that originally built the manor. It's his wife. Um, And so her big triggers are the Irish. Right. So if anybody mentions the Irish, she just like flies off the handle and starts
2: the Irish.
0: Um, There's uh, a New York stockbroker from the 90s or late 80s that died there without pants on,
2: Um,
0: (laughs) which is, is a constant source of humor. He just runs into the room and he's like, God damn it. Put pants on. He's like, I can't. I died without pants on. Um. You know, so it's just this cast of colorful characters. Oh, there's a scout leader who was doing archery training out on the lawns, uh, for with his scout troop, and he got shot in the neck with an arrow, and so he just he just has an arrow through his neck all the time. Uh, it's it's just very funny. It's a cute little you know half hour, you know, sitcom, you know, but it's it's in the traditional mold, and it's it's pretty pretty fun. But of course, the main thing is they work out the backstories of the ghosts and sort of like who they are and how they how they got to be there, because not all of them lived there. They were there visiting or, you know, what happened to sort of tie their ghost to this place. But one of the best jokes. Is that. Because none of them really have like modern cultural references, that's one of the things that the, the new owners bring, like they figure out they like leave TV on and they can watch TV and stuff. But so when, if a person dies and doesn't, and their ghost doesn't remain, there's like a beam of light that comes down and it it sort of pulls them into the sky. And so in their initial conversations where they're trying to explain this to this girl, like what happens, they say like, well, it's kind of like you get sucked off, right? (laughs) And they don't realize what that means. And so like now was, there was a character who it, it almost happened, right? He almost got sucked off and then he <laughs> decided to stay. And that's like the term they use. So he'll be like, oh, back when I almost got sucked off. And, and then you can just see like the the modern characters. They just kind of wince so like, oh, don't <laughs> say it that way. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I almost got sucked off. I'm sure, I'm sure in the British version, which I've only watched a little bit of, I'm sure it was pulled off. It was, that's probably what it was. Like, I, I you know, you get pulled off and, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not a great show by any stretch, but it's, it's cute. It's fun. Uh, and I think it's Paramount Plus only now. I think originally it aired on CBS, but now they're just going to produce it for the streaming service. But, uh, all right. So that's Paramount Plus, which, you know, again, um, I've I've found value in it. I, I've enjoyed it, you know, more than I expected to. Uh, but now, some ones that I, I know you've seen as well. Let's talk about some HBO Max stuff, which uh, is another one of my favorite streaming services. I, oh, I don't boy. think I could give up HBO Max at this point. Um, so, uh, anything that you want to call out first on HBO? Um,
1: what are some things that have come out? I'm just like I'm sitting here. What year is it? Well, I mean, I saw the <laughs> Matrix movie. We talked about that on this podcast. That was uh, we did.
0: Yeah, that was a good one.
1: That was on um, it. What, what else?
0: What about the what about the Batman? How's the Batman going? Forward? Oh,
1: you mean the new one, right?
0: I do. I Batman? mean, R, I mean, R. Battenson.
1: Um, <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't. I don't mm, think okay. I. I don't think I loved it. I don't think I liked it, but. <laughs> It's, <laughs> I mean, there were things about it that I liked, but let me tell you, why do they keep putting Catwoman in Batman movies? Why don't they just stop um, for a while? You know who doesn't need to be in a Batman movie? Catwoman. She doesn't need to be in yeah. it. She doesn't have to be.
0: Well, it, you you probably haven't really engaged much with Batman comics in the last few years but i
1: try to actively uh, avoid batman <laughs> comics in recent years
0: but uh they're married now yeah and and so catwoman who was at one time for batman a member of the rogues gallery but also this sort of like on again off again will they won't they is catwoman is now the great love of
1: batman's life i just don't get it and
0: it's for growing up in the era that we did and what was going on with Batman, that was not the situation. That is something that has grown over the last really like 10 to 15 years that that's become it. I mean, it's certainly always been a thing. I mean, even back to like um, the animated series, you know, there was constant dalliance there between the two of them, but I don't know why Catwoman was in this particular film. That's my issue. Yeah. I, I feel like this should have been A a sort of solo bat adventure and then maybe Catwoman's in the background, right? And they're having those initial like backs and forth and you know, maybe she is involved But she's such a central character to everything that's happening in this film And it's just this I feel like superhero films in general right now are in the space You know in Star Wars 2 honestly where we have to explain everything There can be no loose ends, right? She's in this movie and she's part of this because of this, 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 and this. Not just because she's like a dancer at the club. Yeah. Right? It's because, oh, she's actually thief, like
1: God forbid. Right, or
0: just like, I'm a thief that's stealing things from people. And I these are where the people and, are. And so they have to, to do like
1: them. the the heart of gold thing. It's like, can't she just be kind of a mystery and we don't know anything about her? And Yeah, I mean,
0: it's it, it just. For a film that felt like they thought a lot about Batman and who Batman would be, and and even the Riddler as well, like how do we want to re envision and reimagine these characters? I feel like they didn't really do much work on Selina. They're just like, oh, we'll just do Catwoman. It's just Catwoman. Yeah. And and I think if they could have, and it's not to say anything about Zoe Kravitz. I think she did fine. I mean, she did yeah, well whatever. as that. I, I, I mean, think she's a good Catwoman. Sure. Like I don't have any issues with it, but. It, In a film that was so stuffed, like, so stuffed to be, like, three hours long.
1: My ass hurt so bad (laughs) by the end of that movie.
0: I mean, it's the first movie that has hit theaters in quite a while where I I think they legit should have put an intermission in. Yeah. There should have been a 10 to 15 minute intermission. Or just
1: cut out a lot of stuff that didn't need to be in it. (laughs) Which also is
0: a choice, yeah. Well, and, Um, and like,
1: there were some things I did, like, I'm gonna, I guess, be... Really uncool. I did not like the Riddler. But here's the uh, thing: I love yeah. Paul Dano. I love mm-hmm. him. I love him. But He's if, great. but if wonderful, if you if anyone wants needs to understand what I love about Paul Dano, you just see there will be blood. Mm-hmm. Because it's great.
0: He's a whiny baby.
1: But this interpretation of the Riddler was way too infused with things that I don't want to think about when I'm watching a Batman movie, like like incels, like incels and and QAnon and and 4chan. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to have those things. I I don't want corn in my nuts. You know, I just I can do without (laughs) nuts in my corn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's so hard to explain. Like I get what they were doing. But believe me, I get it. But I hated it. I hated it. I mean, the choice to
0: turn the Riddler into just a straight terrorist, I think, was the most interesting one. Because I'm like, well, uh, okay, I I mean, I get it. The Riddler, you know, you've got the mysteries. And I will say unequivocally that my favorite parts of the film were when Batman was unraveling the mysteries, right? Even though the mysteries are still very lame and very easy.
1: But, but i'm pro. i mean maybe i'm on an island but i really like the frank gorshin style riddler with like a blazer and exactly. a hat i don't know like and that's my
0: <laughs> and that's my point like there are lots of batman villains that you could twist into that if you wanted to
1: yeah
0: right there are literally hundreds that could fit into you could you could spin calendar man into sure. that if you really want to right like you can you can do anything i mean or zaz i mean like if you wanted okay, to he's an current, actual
1: psychopath
0: right like you know turn zaz into an incel psychopath that murders peoples with not ni- murders people with knives like that's fine like go to town but the riddler you pick the riddler because he does that over the top like nuts yeah. thing like yeah. that's that's the riddler um, and I get not wanting, you know, Oh, we're not bound by any boxes. This is Batman unchained or whatever you want to call it. You know, like I get it, but at the same time, it's like, well, I just, I, I wish a Batman movie and maybe the original Tim Burton, Batman by going big with the Joker right from the start. Maybe they just kind of ruined these movies, but it's like, if you're telling a, a starter Batman story, like this is Batman literally at his beginnings, but we're not going to call it that. No. Um, there to use that one then that's right wait damn you Christopher Nolan you stole that title from me. Uh, but maybe have the villains escalate with him you yeah know? like okay we're gonna start with these like kind of know-nothing dudes and then we'll build to those I guess they tried to do that a bit with Batman Begins but even going to Rachel ghoul well the,
1: they also the started tried Batman to do Godzilla. that with the Riddler before when he was Jim Carrey and uh yeah but you know I there were things about that that I liked that i almost wish that some of that performance might have leached into this a little bit because at least it was fun this wasn't having any fun
0: (laughs) no and that's that's my biggest thing is i actually i took my kids to see this you know and because it's it's batman and my kids aren't young but they uh, honestly they were bored yeah it was boring because not much happens like as a Batman fan, you know, watching a guy walk around and look cool in a Batman suit, that kind of checks up enough boxes for me to be like, Oh, this is pretty good. And I will say that this movie was the first one I walked out of where I didn't even have the fleeting thought of. I kind of would have liked more Batman. Yeah. Right. Because he's Batman for 95% he is, he is of the Batman. movie. Like he, he's Bruce Wayne for literally zero of this film. And that's good because and, and
1: that's I, good. I, don't, I, I don't, I don't like, Bruce Wayne. The only Bruce Wayne that I've ever to. enjoyed yeah. was the one in the cartoon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they've never been able to capture that in any of the movies.
0: No, uh, it's just this weird blend of, he has to be both kind of a doof, right? Which that's the point. That's the line that most of them are never willing to go to. And maybe that's why I think Keaton had done it the best because Keaton was the most willing to look ridiculous while he was Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And that, but that's the, that's persona right like that's how you do it that's also how people need Clark the guy Haynes who played evaded. Beetlejuice
1: to make it work
0: that's <laughs> right it's only the guy who played
1: Beetlejuice now there were some things that were standout like Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright in anything is, he is great. Right now.
0: Commissioner Gordon for me he's um, just so good I mean I know Gary Oldman was great in the Nolan movies too don't yes but like don't if, at me but, people, but, but but
1: frankly like if you can stand up against somebody like Gary Oldman Wow
0: Doing pretty good for yourself.
1: Um, And I just love him. I just, I think he's great. And he was wonderful to watch all of the time. Um, John Turturro is lovely. I just, Mm -hmm. I think he's great. So even if that, even if Falcone wasn't really in the movie that much, I'm just always happy to see him and holy shit
0: it definitely seemed like we had john torturo for three days yeah so we're going to shoot him in this one room in various states of lighting and then we'll just edit it together
1: um and then holy shit colin farrell
0: (laughs) invisible a chameleon holy cow dude like yeah colin farrell was the big he was the big surprise for me well i will say r pattinson
1: oh he was good
0: I don't have any issues with him anymore. But, right? And I never but, really did.
1: But like Colin um, Farrell is known for being Colin Farrell. He's known for mm-hmm. being like smoldering Irish eyebrows.
0: Why? And yes, the courage that it takes, I'm going to go ahead and put my fist down and say, he's the most courageous man in Hollywood because the courage you have to have to cover that beautiful face and is just
1: legendary. And he was so likable <clears throat> as that character. I mean, he's despicable, Mm-hmm. But holy shit, I loved every moment that he was on screen. He was funny and and awful and just and gross and just everything that I always wanted Oswald Cobblepot to be. Yeah. And big,
0: big Joe Pesci energy.
1: Oh, so and that's what good. I loved about it. It was So good because
0: <laughs> there was a time when I thought Joe Pesci would actually make a great penguin. <laughs> like when i was like in the late Would have 90s been better after than what we got
1: i know right
0: <laughs> I, there were after because i remember there was some after the late 90s um you know and pesci had his run you know of course of, of paying playing the the lovable mook gangster um you know not only in scorsese but beyond but i mean there was a time when i, I was watching something that he was in and it just kind of hit and i was like oh shit he'd be a perfect, it would be perfect, he would be perfect. Right. Um, maybe tone down the accent just a little bit, just because Gotham wouldn't necessarily have that accent in it. But otherwise, yes. And, and he brought that, he brought that real hard. And even though he did have that kind of like, you know, deep New York accent or whatever, it, it still worked. I'll
1: um, tell you who was wasted. Uh, and it really surprised me. was Andy circus. Yep. I don't same, understand. Exact
0: same feeling. I think they filmed a lot more of him. And then they just didn't use it because I mean, why would you hire Andy Serkis to be that? And then only have him in the movie for like three minutes. Like, what are you doing? Like, why? I mean, I, well, he's, I know why. Cause Matt Reeves and Andy Serkis love each other. Cause they made the planet of the apes movies together.
1: Well, good for them. But, but... you know,
0: <laughs> but yeah, like it's Alfred should be, I wanted more scenes of Alfred trying to guide Bruce yeah I, I liked the insinuation like the open insinuation because in the Nolan movie you've got Michael Caine being like there was a time Master Bruce when we were out in the jungles hunting a man with a wheelbarrow full and, of lions, and frankly whatever. he was
1: just Michael Caine because I think yeah. that's the only <laughs> character that he knows how to portray is Michael I this is Michael, Michael Caine, Caine.
0: And you know, so we had this insinuation that Alfred had this like militaristic background, right? But this one just leaned heavy into it, where you get the impression that he was like an SAS soldier, just <laughs> out there stabbing people in the back and breaking necks and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's like, and I wanted more of that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's an interesting take. We yeah, haven't yeah, if you're seen gonna before, do something you know? different,
1: go ahead and tear it up. Do something really different.
0: Yeah, but uh, and then just to sort of totally subvert his character at the end by using him as like. Hospital deathbed bait was like, guys, come on, you're better than this. You don't have to do this. Like our Pattinson can experience an emotional change without having to see another father get murdered to the street. Uh, You know, it just, it it was very, there were moments of brilliance, like absolute brilliance married all too frequently with just total head scratchers. Like, why, why are you doing this? Um, again, I liked, I mean, we, we got to see our, our good friend, Mr. Skarsgård, um, the, the Skarsgård brand, Sarsgård, um, <laughs> Peter <Sarsgard.
1: that's> a, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Peter Sarsgård actually.
0: Well, he married, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and then I guess that was enough. He's like, I won. I won Done. everybody. <laughs> I won the internet. I won the world. i yeah. married to Gyllenhaal. Well, and, uh, now we can true. just kind of move on. Uh, and that's fine. I, I have no hard feelings towards Peter Skarsgård for his success. None at all. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a good cast. I, I think now that they have done their version of Batman Begins, it would be interesting to see them sort of try and morph that character into the more adept version. I'm, I imagine we'll get something. The movie did well enough that I, I think we will. But I don't know. It's it's a I don't know how you would follow that one up. Yeah. Because you you can't really escalate in terms of its grim dark tone because we kind of maxed that, you know, we took that dial and took it to 11. Um so where do you go from there? And
1: What if it just if went we do- full in the other direction and went to like the TV show. <laughs> you know, we're or we're like bringing back Schumacher vibes but right. with we the open same with cast. The <laughs>
0: yeah, we open with the Batusi, just Robert Pattinson <laughs> <laughs> just just dancing, you know. Yes, that would be perfect. I love it. And then it ends up being a dream sequence. It's the Joker's dream sequence. It's what <laughs> but he you wants. don't
1: find out till the end of the movie. <laughs> but you don't
0: find out until the end that that's the dream
1: sequence.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, that'd be great. That sounds like an episode of Harley Quinn on HBO. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I It was pretty mixed. My main issue and what I realized is even though I left the theater being like, that was a really good Batman movie, was that I, I have very little desire to watch it again. Yeah. I'm like almost none. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to experience the universe of the Batman again. Uh, I probably will at some point just because there were some nuances of things that apparently they worked into the background like I don't know if you saw there was a meme going around there's like a big wide shot of the the nightclub like one of the first times Bruce goes there on the motorcycle and if you pause that and look up in the corner like you can see the dude just standing there in the window like he's right there and you just because there's so much going on visually you don't pay attention to it but it's like he told and it was like 12 minutes or 13 minutes into the movie. <laughs> He's Didn't just right realize there. Huh. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, there's, there's some, supposedly some stuff in there like that that might be kind of fun to go back and try and find. But who knows? Um, okay. Well, so the Batman mixed results, but, you know, still probably worth it, especially if you enjoy, you know, Batman stories. If, there's certainly enough here. To
1: if you're out. locked into the Batman timeline as we are, Yes, you should see it because you're obligated to see it, like we are. <laughs>
0: obligated, yes, yes, you must, right? Warner Brothers demands it. Uh, so, some other HBO Max uh, content. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit before we got started recording, but uh, I watched the entirety of I-, I watched the entirety of Barry. I had not watched any Barry.
1: I have not um, watched the most recent season.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm totally caught up now. Uh, so I think good. Barry is. Is one of the greatest shows on television.
1: Bill Hader uh, is it precious.
0: Is, he is. Um,
1: he must be protected at all costs.
0: And and I'm very excited to hear. Uh, supposedly, he's going to direct every episode of the fourth season, where he's only directed a few episodes of each season up until this point. But generally, those are the standout episodes of the season for, you know, probably by design. I mean, Bill Hader's trying to help his own career here. But um, yeah, Barry's great. Um, fantastic writing this season. A. a really great escalation. I have a sneaking suspicion that they're planning 5 seasons and and so this if you if you do a 5 act structure, you know, act 3 is your darkest point, right? It's when your characters make choices they can't undo, it's where terrible things happen. Um, you know, and, and sort of irreversible trains are set in motion. And so um this this certainly has that vibe to it. It is it is a dark season, if not the darkest season of Barry. So far and uh, just great. Uh, Hen- I, I, but I have to say, I think Henry Winkler is so good in Barry.
1: I um, no, he's just he's wonderful. Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's just the only thing I can say is he's just the most charming person on the show and off the show. And he's great. Yeah,
0: he's he's kind of perfect in that role and he's perfect as that Sort of lovable but love to hate him mentor this season goes a lot into his Past we start to find out why an actor as accomplished as gene Cousinow Has been relegated to teaching in this tiny theater And and so the things that he has done in his past to put him in the position that he found himself in when Barry and he met and uh, It's glorious and watching Henry Winkler play those scenes and delve into that backstory is is really good. So Barry, unequivocal recommendation. If you haven't watched it, it's well worth it. Please be aware, it's incredibly violent, uh, very dark, like dark comedy, right? Like just understand the things that makes make bill Hader laugh are probably not the things that make you laugh
1: but boy if you do laugh at those things you will be crying laughing at this show
0: right i mean if you've ever watched an episode of 48 hours or you know 60 minutes (laughs) and just laughed maniacally at the misfortune of others then barry's probably for you um because i know i have for sure (laughs) Um, so good uh, it's it's great Uh, A couple of curveball movies, right? So uh, HBO Max, I will say, has really been stepping up its game on the classic movie front. Uh, I know they've got like a TCM, turn to classic movies kind of thing, like a collaboration or something, but they've really got a ton of classic movies now. A lot of great Akira Kurosawa films, but I haven't been watching those. I've been watching the terrible stuff. And so I watched Ice Station Zebra, which is not terrible. Um, I'd never seen it, right? So uh, that's John... I always want to say John sales, but that's not it. Um, it's the same guy who directed like the great escape. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so his last like, and I'll go ahead and call it like John Sturgis. That's his name. Uh, I'll go ahead and call it. It's, it's the last of his, like these are men movies for men.
2: <laughs> right.
0: You know, cause like if you watch the great escape bridge on the river, quiet, you know, like, they're really great classic war movies. Yes. But they're, they're, you know, they're the, the movies your dad makes you watch on a Sunday afternoon. Cause he knows you don't have anything to do. Right. Yeah. Like that's magnificent seven. Right. You know, like that's, it's, it's those. And, and you did a lot of Eastwood stuff, but so I station zebra is, is the last of his like big military, you know, men being manly men while man things happen. You know, like it's just, It's just that. Ironically, it stars Rock Hudson. (laughs) Uh, Oh. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the cast isn't phenomenal. It's Rock Hudson in the lead. He's like a submarine captain who's got to get these people to the the Arctic um, to recover like a downed satellite, right? So a satellite with key information on it has crashed, and he's got to get these specific groups of people as this sub-commander Invisibly to the, the Arctic, we've got uh, Patrick McGowan, right, our our prisoner McGowan. Uh, he plays a British spy who um, is is being sent to recover some of this information. We've Got Ernest Borgnine, hey, playing a Russian man named Boris Voslov. Wow, who is working with the Americans, crossed the uh, across the Berlin Wall to to assist them. Um, and then Jim Brown from, like, The Dirty Dozen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, it's these, like, four manliest men who've ever manned uh, getting, you know, to this ice station zebra in the Arctic, which is this, like, weather station that has, has apparently been used as cover to do you know, clandestine things. Um, it's It's kind of ridiculous. It's really over the top. The, they really tried to because like Great Escape, of course, the theme song of Great Escape is now sort of surpassed the show, you know, the, the little whistle and everything. And so whoever did the music for Ice Station Zebra was like trying to do the same thing with that, have like this jolly little whistleable tune that would play over it. But it just doesn't hang with the tone of the film at all. <laughs> <Like> it's just <laughs> totally wrong. It may even be the same guy. It probably is. Uh, but it it's just it's just not. It's not good. Like the music, it just pops up occasionally, like when they're in the submarine and it's like, what are you doing? Stop it. Mm. But, uh, you know, but I had a great time. It was really fun to go back and watch a film. Well, it's sort of like because it, it came out in 1968, I think, and it was not a success. It was a, it was a bomb, like a colossal bomb, because it was the same thing that was happening with like Hello, Dolly, right? the studios had made these like reliable movies for the entirety of the sixties, right? These manly men epics, these, you know, big over the top stage musicals. And, and pretty much by 1968, 69 audiences were like, we don't want these anymore. Like we're done with these don't make them. But these were like the last gasps of them making these. And uh, it was just, it was, it was really fun to watch what a big epic action movie in 1968 was like again. And it's cause it's been a while. I had never seen it. It was good. Um, now, now here's the okay. I got a couple of I got a couple of theories. Let me espouse these real quick. And I'm sorry, but so Ice Station Zebra was based on a book by Alistair MacLean.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So Alistair MacLean, of course, classic American author, but also a guy mm-hmm. who is a big work for hire dude, right? Like if you came to mm-hmm. Alistair MacLean and said, "We need you to write a movie novelization for this movie coming out." Alistair McLean was your guy.
2: Yeah.
0: Alistair McLean very famously wrote the adaptations for star Wars. Yeah. Right. The novelizations of the star Wars script, Alistair McLean wrote those. And there were some things when I was watching ice station zebra that I was like, there are some star Wars connotations here. (laughs) Like there's some, there's some inspiration for Mm. some star Wars stuff happening. And I was like, maybe this is where like George Lucas was like, have Alistair McLean write the, 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 the Star Wars adaptation. I don't know. Um, but there were some other interesting things. One, I was looking up trivia as I was watching, of course, because I was you know, just trying to engage with all the material that I could. And apparently this was Howard Hughes' favorite movie. <laughs> to the point that when he was like in uh, Las Vegas, like, you know, in his, his the beginnings of his sequestering, he owned the TV station and he would call them. And just demand that they run Ice Station Zebra on television so he could watch it. Wow. So records indicate that Ice Station Zebra was aired in Las Vegas over like a two-year period over a hundred (laughs) times.
1: I wish I had that kind of power. I know, right? Like it was.
0: You could see why somebody was like, "Man, maybe if we could make a device that allowed people to play back films whenever they wanted." We, would. maybe it was a guy who lived in Las Vegas and was like, "I'm so fucking tired of iStation Zebra. Somebody needs to get Howard Hughes a way to just watch the movies he wants on demand." <gasps> VCRs. Uh, <laughs> I, anyway, but it's just it was very funny. But there were. Uh, it was one of those movies. Oh no, the other one that I found. I found an article that was. Um. It was like filmmakers, um, oh, like they're like movies I don't want to admit that I love, right? And at the top of his list, John Carpenter loves Ice Station Zebra.
1: Well, that fits.
0: And if you look at the costumes, like the, because when they get to the Arctic, if you look at the costumes of Ice Station Zebra, it looks a shit ton like the thing. Like, it is crazy. Like, even the color coding of the various outfits yeah. so that you can tell the characters apart. Dude, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yes. John Carpenter loves Ice Station Zebra. He absolutely it fits. does. It fits. It fits. But anyway. So, I watched that. That was fun. I also watched Um, I've never been a Burt, uh, Burt Reynolds fan. Uh, not big, anyway. I mean, I remember watching Smokey and the Bandit stuff when I was a kid. Um, but they put up a movie of his called Hooper, which was one of his like later, you know, films when he was kind of, you know, moving away from superstardom, but, uh, it was all about a stunt man. I think it was kind of the inspiration for the show, the fall guy. I think that was kind of the idea. Um, but a, a very interesting little film, really just an excuse to do a bunch of stunts, you know, have a bunch of like motorcycle chases and things. Um, but I just wanted to note it because it's also a absolutely Wonderful time capsule into where we were in 1978 America. There's a line in the film, and I apologize, listeners, if this offends you. I didn't say it. It was in this movie. Where Hooper's, well, it's, it's Burr Reynolds and Sally Field, again, you know, because, of course, they were huge, six, huge stars, especially as a duo at that time. And so he's not married to Sally Field, but he's, like, dating her, and his, her dad was a stuntman. And and he's like trying to convince Hooper that he just needs to marry his daughter and, you know, like make it happen. And so Hooper's like, man, I don't still know. I don't know if anybody needs to get married anymore. Like, what's the point? And blah, blah, blah. And the dad turns to me, he says, oh, Hooper. And this is Brian Keith, by the way, the dad from Parent Trap. That's who's playing this. He turns to me, he's like, ah Hooper, don't be an ass. It's like everybody's getting married these days. Hell, even fags are getting married
1: these days. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I was like, "Whoa! There it is. 1978 forward thinking. It's... Even fags are getting married these
1: wow. days." Different time, <laughs> like, different time. Yeah,
0: I was like, "Oh, shit." Um, but the other thing of note in Hooper, and there's not much, honestly. It's it's a pretty slight film by all accounts. It seems like a, you know, Burt Reynolds vanity project for the most part but uh of course the story being told here is that there is a there's a younger competing stuntman who comes to sort of upend hooper's you know status as the most successful stuntman in hollywood and that young stuntman is played by none other than a very young and just flat out adorable jan michael vincent oh wow huh pre Airwolf jan michael vincent (laughs) um Jan, Michael Vincent with Jan, Michael Vincent <laughs> on a planet of Jan, Jan Michael, Michael Vincent's. <laughs> but, uh, and it, you know, so it was it was one of those things. I, I it was just a I saw it. The cover art was like, oh, I, I had a, like a vague memory of it, maybe. And uh, and I watched it. And so apart from it's it's less than than modern politics. uh, It's it's pretty good. It was interesting. Oh, also brief cameo from Terry Bradshaw. Terry oh. Bradshaw plays a guy who gets the crap beat out of him in a bar. Which, you know, I'll always watch that. That's fun. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's good. Uh, a couple other quick things. Uh, Westworld is back uh, for season four.
1: Um, I recently tried to go back and re-watch mm. the show kind of in preparation. Mm-hmm. And I'm s- struggling.
0: Yeah. I'm really conflicted about Westworld. I, I will say this. Just you know, not to get into spoilers or anything. Season four has started off way stronger than I expected it to like way stronger than I expected it to because season three for me was a bit of a disaster. Um, It was not bad, I guess, but it was not, it was also not good. Uh, I I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, It was very twisty and it was one of those shows where I feel like the entire success of the season was predicated upon how well you engaged with and cared about those twists rather than like strong, interesting things happening. And uh, so I, I didn't leave season three being like, a lot of people apparently left season three of Westworld being like, I'm done with this show. It's a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I get that. I, I didn't end that way, but going back and rewatching Westworld, apart from season one, I think season one is, is still kind of a perfect season of television. It's, it's very strong for the most part, but even season two, there's cracks that start to form. So I, where, where were you sort of getting lost? Was it even just right from the start? Or I, I
1: have this, I've had this problem with other HBO shows where I love them in the moment when they're hot and they're new mm, and I've never the seen audience, them before. Yeah. And then when I go back, I'm just like, this is cringe. <laughs> this is lame yeah, and cringe uh, and I don't sure. enjoy it. I guess because the newness is gone. The excitement is, is subsided.
0: Sure. And oh, I get that. Yeah.
1: And they're, they're just so over the top. I have this, this yeah. threshold of like, wow, you really, really want to set yourselves apart as like, we are HBO and nowhere else on any service are you going to see the things that we will show you and it ends up taking things almost in a direction that the, the writing suffers for it and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's just me if just everything that i see it it has this sort of stink of hbo on it <laughs> where it's like this i, I can mean, tell this is, a, is an hbo show it, yeah. it sounds and looks and acts like an hbo show
0: I mean whoever you know whoever directs programming at HBO and I'm sure it's a team of people but they have a particular type of show that they are looking to produce and and that's what they lean into and there's some diversity in that little you know type of show that they're interested in sure but, you know, they've, they've got their, their milieu and they have their standards as well. Like there are requirements to make an HBO show. These are very well known. The Game of Thrones guys have talked about them, right? Oh, we have to have, you know, three sets of boobs and two butts and one penis or one vagina, you know, you choose kind of thing. Like there are, there are, for, there are format standards at HBO that I think dictate the kinds of shows that they are more likely to produce. And so there is a sort of homogeny to HBO show experiences, um, I I'm, find I'm myself. I that. find
1: myself thinking you could cut out twenty minutes of this because oh, everything sure. is yeah. just it's labored. I guess Westworld feels very labored, even in that first season that I enjoyed so much. It's like wow, this is this is long. These episodes are long and they feel long. Um, and other than Anthony Hopkins, I'm not connecting with any of the characters or scenarios the way that I did the first time I watched it. Mm, sure. But I'm still yeah, going to get,
0: I'm I, I think it's worth it. Um, but season season four is off to a good start. I, good. I think some of the things I'm hoping some of the things that they are maybe holding back as reveals aren't actually big reveals. Cause I do like it when Westworld does that, you know, they I guess really with the second season, they were so aware that people were going to be looking for, oh, we're going to be looking for, oh, is this a twist? Or, oh, is this, is this person actually a host? Or, you know, like everybody's like freaking out and there are podcasts and, you know, tweets and everything. of people trying to figure stuff out that I feel the second season really pandered to that. And really Mm -hmm. like, we're trying to like layer on too much stuff to try and be, I definitely Um, and it feels like they, I'm hoping they kind of are like, okay, we're not going to do that this time. And this time we're just going to, the things that you think are going to be like the big season. Oh my God, I can't believe it reveals. We're actually going to dispense with in like episode three and just not worry about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they take that approach, but we'll see. Obviously we, the show's just started third season, just our third episode of the fourth season just dropped a, a little while ago. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. I, I, I like most of what HBO produces undoubtedly. I think, um, in terms of television shows, they still are kind of the brand leader when it comes to premium format TV. But that market is definitely more crowded now than HBO has ever experienced. And to continue to set themselves apart, I think they are going to have to kind of diversify a little bit more, try yeah. and do some other things. And not just in the terms of like, oh, these are our hour long premium dramas. And then we have these like little half hour comedy shows. That's that's different. That's HBO always done that. But I mean, like different kinds of you know premium format shows. And maybe we'll get there. I, I don't know. But I have I have some modicum of hope that Westworld season four will be good. Although for me, the weakest link is still Aaron Paul. I just have a really hard time caring mm. about that dude and his background and his story. I have a feeling they're going to try and do some interesting things with him this season. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I don't I don't like him that much show he's fine but he's just not I great I don't like you <laughs> I don't like you on my show get, get out, out of right here sir. go back to your breaking badly runs man um, yeah um, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's nothing to do with him I think it's it's the character that they yeah. have been playing yeah. I just don't find that character very interesting and it doesn't matter how, how well he acts him I just don't think the character is is all that compelling in it's current form but maybe they'll surprise me we'll see All right. Anything else on HBO Max that you've been engaging with?
1: I don't think so. All
0: right. Uh, I will take a brief sideline. We've talked about this before uh, as well, but um, if you don't have Apple TV+, and I realize apparently a lot of people don't, go check out Apple TV+, and watch Severance.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Obviously. We're not going to spend time talking about how great it is, because it's great,
0: it's great. It's, <laughs> like,
1: it's It was the best thing on TV. It does give me that, that deep concern that season two will never live up to the greatness that was the first season. But
0: That is the unfortunate reality that Severance must now deal
1: but, with. Uh, but here's the thing. I trust Ben Stiller because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I really like his creative output from the, the dumb, weird comedies that he's done to the serious things. I just really like him. So...
0: Agreed. I, I don't think Ben Stiller gets credit for being a great producer. Um, but he has been producing things, not just starring in them, for, for quite a while now. And most of his producing output has been pretty solid. But I, I really think, you know, Ben Stiller, unfortunately, like we look at a guy like Matthew McConaughey, who spent a decade making awful rom-coms with Kate Hudson. Mm-hmm. So that he could then have the financial independence to just do whatever little dumb project thing he wanted to. And we look at that guy and we say, wow, what a smart dude. What a smarty pants Matthew McConaughey is. Well done, (laughs) sir. Here, have a Lincoln commercial. The guy
1: who we used to make fun of because he never wore a shirt.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Right. But now he's like accomplished super actor man. But is it not true that Ben Stiller basically did that with dumb lowbrow comedies for 10, 15 years, maybe. And then now he has the financial independence and clout in Hollywood to just do whatever he wants.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Like that's why does Ben Stiller not get the respect that Matthew McConaughey does? Like, was it because Matthew McConaughey was shirtless and tan? Ben Stiller. So you look at that and being like, you, you've elevated, you've elevated the craft, sir. Ben Stiller gave us
1: Yakov Smirnoff's last stand. And for that, (laughs) He is my hero forever. <laughs> the Ben Stiller show is the greatest thing um, on TV. The ben Stiller show <laughs> is
0: so great, dude. And so many things spun out of it, man. Like Bob Odenkirk wrote for that show. Yeah. Like uh like Ben Stiller has had his hands in in the success of so many of your favorite comedians, um, in ways that you may not fully understand or comprehend. And and so like I
2: <laughs> yes,
0: I'm with you there. I think Ben Stiller has good instincts. I think his instincts with severance were strong. Apparently this was something that he was just embedded in that's why we didn't hear from him for a couple of years because he was developing this project and um it is it has paid off tremendously severance is one of the most awesome things going right now um, i'll sidebar i know i sent you this i texted you this but i also developed a tremendous amount of respect for uh brit lower is her name and she is the individual who plays heli on severance mm-hmm. Uh, which is a fantastic character, and she is so good as that character in the show. Uh, I have to call her out, and I have to, to say mad respect, yo, um, specifically, because um, we live in the Midwest, and uh, my family has this tradition ever since my daughter was, was very small. There's a small sort of standing circus in, in St. Louis, uh, you know, the major city that we live closest to. And Every year uh, around Father's Day we get tickets and we go and we see this little circus show. It's a great circus It's not exploitative Um, It's family family run they they bring in acts from all over the country. It's it's a it's a really good group Very cool. We're happy to support it. You know, it's not ringling brothers where they're beating animals in the backyard You know, it's nothing like that And uh, it's a small, you know one ring thing so we go to go to the show it's our normal thing. We bought the tickets. We went. We didn't even really look at what the show was about. It's just like whatever. We go every year. I show up. The show starts, and, and they've got a, a more advanced sort of acting component this year. Normally, they do little skits in between the larger acts while they're getting things set up and whatever. A typical circus thing. But this year, the story was more robust, right? They're this team of paranormal investigators going through the lost caverns underneath St. Louis trying to find this remnants of an innkeeper that used to steal the, the vitality from the people that would stay at her inn, Right. And they're trying to try and bring it back. And so like these ghost hunters come out and there's four of them and there's a brother and sister and the brother and sister are real quirky. Like the brother's named Sally and the sister's named Steve, you know, it's just like all jumbled up and funny and they play it for laughs. And so they walk out and I'm looking at the, the one playing the sister, the Steve or whatever the name was. And I'm looking, and I just, I'm like, Gosh, she looks familiar. And I'm like, they have people who come back, you know, repeated performers, you know, who come back year over year. So I'm like, it must just be that. But I keep watching her and I'm like, no, it's not that. It's it's not that. And about halfway through the first sort of section of the show, she hopped up on one of the sides of the 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 ring and she has she like plays ukulele and sings. And I looked at her, and I'm like, and I look at my wife and I'm like, that is Heli from Severance. And she looked back at me, she's like, no no it's not i'm like it 100% mm-hmm. is helly from severance and um and then during intermission i looked it up and she had done a broad, uh, an interview with st louis public radio that basically the the director of the circus just cold called her he saw severance loved it found out that she'd made a short film called um, circus person i think about a girl who runs away to the circus and apparently Britt Lauer's mom was, uh, she ran a face painting company. Like one of those companies that'll come to like your event and like airbrush faces for you and stuff. She's like
1: also from Illinois. Did. So it's
0: not crazy. She is. Crazy. It's not, a right. It's not, it's not unbelievable that she would come back to the region. She's from like Hayward, Illinois. Um, and so she, she just like took the summer and came back to St. Louis and did this tiny little circus. That's awesome. Like, three shows a day for for a month and a half or whatever and it was just i i i left that show being like mad respect like she is a pro i mean the show that she is on is about to win all the emmys i i I think it's going to win all the emmys for everything and here she is doing that so uh mad props to brit lauer um follow her on instagram it's actually quite funny she's got a lot of cool things that she does but uh yeah it was just it was neat i was like damn I did not expect to see Ellie from Severance at the circus today, <laughs> but here we are. So, yes, Severance good. Watch Severance. Pay the money. Just, just you know, America, just buck it up, right? I know things are tough.
1: You don't have anything else tough. to do. It's not like you, you live in Europe and you go on European vacations like me.
0: Exactly, <laughs> right? We, we have nothing. We feel nothing. So spend the six bucks, get Apple TV Plus for a month, and watch Severance. It's fine. You'll 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 appreciate it. All right. So uh, moving on, a couple of things. I'll just briefly say, Only Murders in the Building season two just started. I know we've talked about it before. I know you haven't. It's
1: still on my list.
0: Oh golly, just. I can't. I can't wait to watch it. You forget how much, or you forget how easy it is to love Steve Martin, like that for a time. Every year or two, you'd get a new Steve Martin thing and you would just be like, mm, the world is good again. Everything's right. It's like when John Candy was alive, right? And John Candy would release a new thing and you'd be
1: like, Yay. I still think about John Candy every day.
0: Mm. Uh, you know, but uh, Only Murders in the Building is a delightful show. Selena Gomez, somehow this show made me like Selena Gomez. I don't even know how. I don't I know like what it I like
1: Selena Gomez.
0: Um, I never engaged with her. You know, I know she was on like,
1: I don't really Wizards know anything about, about her. I just I've heard some or of her whatever. music. I'm like, yeah, you're a cute. Yeah. Aren't you a cute little I, whatever you are? You're a cute little lady. She came lady, out of the Disney the machine. Ma'am.
0: You know, she, she's another one of the Disney machine. Yeah. you know, they got churned out, and now she's trying to find a career. It's like a pop um, pop
1: star, actress. She's she's a lot of things.
0: She's yeah, nice, but uh, it's a wonderful show, especially if you are into true crime podcasts. Which I'm not a huge true crime podcast guy. Uh, but if you are into those, it 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 is written by people who fully understand how those shows operate. I'm
1: really into and stuff like Diagnosis really Murder, so I just feel like it would push that button for me.
0: <laughs> Dude, if they somehow got Dick Van Dyke to guest on that show, it would probably cause some kind of like entertainment nuclear explosion. It would be the best. Um, if they, Angela Lansbury is still alive, isn't she? Yes. Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine a crossover episode my heart it's only stop. murders in the building? Steve Martin, Martin Short, Dick Van Dyke, and Angela Lansbury all in the same room talking about true crime. That would be great. Oh, oh okay. Interesting side note. Again, I love Hollywood. It's six, six degrees of separation stuff. Um, Ice Station Zebra, the communications officer who becomes very important at the end is Ron Masek. And I was looking at him and I'm like, I know that guy. Absolutely know that guy's face. Looked him up on IMDb. He was the dude who played the sheriff that worked with Jessica Walter or that worked with Angela Lansbury on Murder. She nice. was the he was the sheriff guy for the whole run of the show. It's nice. was like, well, there you go. Anyway, uh, only murders in the building. Can't recommend it highly enough. I honestly think the second season started stronger than the first. I wow. don't know how that's possible, but it absolutely did. Um, so, yes, definitely go watch that. Um. Amazon The Terminal List. Now you have had some you've had some experience with The Terminal List, but I wanted you to share with the audience what that was.
1: I'm tired of seeing his dumb face all over the subway whenever I have to go to work. Chris Pratt everywhere, ads everywhere. They're just they won't stop with The Terminal List ads. I hope they're gone now. But I maybe, I don't it know. It was it was an overwhelming couple of weeks. Just everywhere you turn, that, that big, meaty, white face.
0: That, that thick,
1: hearty Jolly. American jawline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched it. I don't know why. I was actually going to Amazon to watch The Boys. Because I need to catch up on The Boys. I watched the first season and enjoyed it. Enjoyed it well enough. Um, and then when they were doing the week-to-week releases in the second season, I w- it was always one of those like, well, I'll come back when they're done. And I'll watch them all. And then I just never did. And now the third season's out and it's also finished. So I have a lot to watch. So I was going to start catching up on that. And I saw the terminal list and I'm like, you know, Reacher was pretty good. Uh, I've talked about that before. Jack Reacher uh, or just the Reacher show on Amazon. Highly recommended. Wonderful character work. Great action. Solid show. Very, very good. Especially if you just want to watch a six foot five, 280 pound man, just dismantle human beings.
2: And part of it, it's does. a
0: great, it's a great time. Yeah. So Terminalist um, wants desperately to be Reacher. Desperately. Um, Not just in terms of the show, but I think the original source material, I think the novel that it's based on, desperately wanted to be Jack Reacher. Um, And and I'll, I'll give you my first piece of evidence. Jack Reacher, lead character of Lee Child's Reacher novels. This character, James Reese. Oh. Lead character of the Terminalist.
1: That's not the same at all. James
0: Reese, Jack Reacher. It's very different. Uh, ex, now, J- Jack Reacher, ex-Army Ranger. James Reese, ex-Navy SEAL. Oh. oh different. Um, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it was written, the book series was written by a Navy SEAL with, with combat experience. And that shows, I think, there is certainly mm. an understanding of how the military operates. You know, well done. Because
1: we needed more of that. We need more military porn in the world. There just isn't enough.
0: Um, I agree. And but I think a lot of that comes down to because I I, I read a chunk of the book, like whatever the free section is, and it's fine. Right. It's like, okay, sure.
1: I (laughs) I read the free sample. That's enough.
0: (laughs) It's one of those. Right. I don't know what else you would want, but it smacks of like, you know, because so much of being an author today is about having a package that can be sold. Right. Like not just a book that's good, but like a package that can be marketed. Right. Like yeah. think back to J.K. Rowling. Right. She was a single mom living off the dole, working in a knew. coffee shop on napkins. Right. Like that's the story <laughs> that <laughs> was sold. And if that's true, fine. Was Never? it? Not really. M- maybe. Um, it, it, they even did it to Tom Clancy, for God's sakes. Tom Clancy was an insurance adjuster. Right. He was an insurance adjuster who loved military history and got off on reading like action reports. Right. Like that was Tom Clancy. But after the success of Hunt for Red October, now it's like Tom Clancy, brilliant military analyst. And on 9-11 on
1: CNN, September 11th, they didn't have Mm -hmm. military advisors. They didn't have colonels and and generals. Presumably those people were busy but they did have sure. Tom Clancy. They asked Tom Clancy um, what Clancy. he thought of September 11th. And I'll never forget it.
0: <sighs> it's just dumb. Right? I think that
1: it's was a moment I actually said fuck in front of my parents. Cause I'm like, what the fuck is he doing on TV?
0: <laughs> right. I mean, he's an author. Like, does he know a lot about this stuff? Sure. You have sure. to learn that stuff. Yes. Congratulations.
1: Whatever. But that doesn't
0: mean anything. It's what? like Max Brooks. I listened to a, an audio podcast. I listened to a podcast with Max Brooks. Not too long ago. Max Brooks. The man who wrote the zombie survival guide has spoken at the war college. Like, he's a guest lecturer to talk about, you know, like nonlinear combat thinking because he wrote a book where he figured out how the military might fight zombies.
1: And I I'm mean, like, okay. I just. All right. I don't. The world is garbage, so. <laughs> Really, that's all there is now, to it. What surprises
0: me the most when you told me about the Terminal List being advertised heavily in Finland, I w- my first reaction was, I-, I don't know why anyone in Finland would watch this.
1: It was actually There's here in n- Sweden. Or which, Sweden, which sorry. makes it yeah. even it's even, even weirder. Yeah, I I don't know anybody who would care. Like no way.
0: I, I, this show is not for anyone no. who does not live in the no. continental forty eight United States. Um so okay, the setup is very simple. James Reese, Navy SEal, highly ranking, whatever, goes on mission. mission go bad. Oh. people die. Oh, he very sad about it. Oh, no. Come home. more people die.
1: Oh.
0: he f- conspiracy. Mm. bad. Bad military people, conspiracy
1: conspiracy He only, bad.
0: Won, no- <laughs> <laughs> he only won no truth.
1: He oh, yeah. killed, right? like,
0: <laughs> it's just that like that's all it is uh, and so like the catch like the terminal list i'll spoil it for you uh his daughter drew him a picture before he left on his mission that went bad and he finds it when he gets home and he he flips it over so he, this daughter his daughter gave him this beautiful picture right and so it's meant to be poignant, but I, I just laughed out loud when it happened. He flips it over and that's the piece of paper that he writes the names of all the men he <laughs> must murder and fish on. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think this has the effect that you were hoping oh for, guys. Like, um, so anyway, uh, Chris Pratt goes on a, a an absolute, just driven rampage, just murdering human beings left and right. Justified justifiably murdering them but murdering them nonetheless until he gets to you know the the summit the top you know who the people responsible and uh like I said it's fine it's way too long like it's eight episodes long I think and it, it could have been six easily like maybe even less uh, just most of what happens is very basic and the the one thing that could have been interesting about the show um and again I please understand I'm saying, I didn't get a lot out of this, but I have fully understand that there are lots of people who would, right? This is, this is designed for a very particular type of viewer and it knows what that viewer is. So there's been a lot, like the thing that's bothering me most about it is that the people defending it are all like these hard, like alt-right conservative blogs being like the woke can't handle this. And I'm like, calm down. Would, would a person who identifies... (laughs) Would a person who identifies as woke not care for this, like, highly jingoistic, murderous Navy SEAL rampaging through the streets of Los Angeles, killing at will? Yeah, they'd probably have some issues with that, uh, especially because he's our hero. And we're supposed to look at him and be like, yeah, <laughs> blow up that bomb in the downtown center. Um, You know, like,
1: and it, I, couldn't, I it couldn't be that it's just bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And that's the thing is, like. It's 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 well produced. It looks pretty good. Chris Pratt is fine in it. Like honestly, the character Chris doesn't Pratt really get it. He sucks. I'm 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 not to that point yet. He is exuding very strong youth pastor energy. Mm, days. But but he he's fine, you know, he's he does a little bit with a character, but the interesting thing that just sort of doesn't it gets glossed over eventually is that he's having um, I don't know how to call it other than brain <laughs> issues.
2: Oh,
0: he's having brain trouble.
2: Oh, and, yeah. and it
0: becomes a sort of key component of what's going on, but he has like weird visions. He zones out. So there's all these scenes where he'll like turn around and people who shouldn't be there are there and he has conversations with them and stuff. And so, like, that could have been an interesting thing to have this guy who we're supposed to be rooting for as this like killer of bad men. who maybe it doesn't see the world the right way but the show very quickly dispenses with that and it's like no 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 he's right just don't worry about it
1: he's so like just needs help killing the men
0: and he gets it so much help to kill men uh good Good. (laughs) okay all right um brief spoilers for the terminal list uh dear listener so give me about five minutes here Uh, but i do want to share this with you because i think you'll find it enjoyable this show takes a variety of twists and turns, some of them warranted, some of them very surprising, but so there is a very bad man amongst mm. all of the bad men that James Reese is killing. This is a very bad man who did a very bad thing that James Reese is very upset about. They, they find him. He is in Mexico, so they go to Mexico to track him down and. Um, and and there's a nicely shot, you know, shooty shooty bang bangy action sequence, you know, sniping, whatever. I expect and then nothing they, less. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's again, we know what kind of show we're watching here. But he like tracks the guy down, and he wants the guy to know, like, it's me, right? I I'm the man <laughs> who kill you, right? Like I'm
1: him. Kind of it's <laughs> me. I am he.
0: <laughs> I am he. I am he, man that will kill man who made man sad. <laughs> um, and so he he tracks him down, he, he corners him in this barn, shoots him and uh, and then like sort of like, I don't know, he, he puts handcuffs over a thing and he's like standing against a pole. And so he like gets in his face and he's like, you know who I am, you know who I am and the guy's like, yeah, I know you are Navy, you know fuck you, blah 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 uh, you know, I am from Mexico whatever, <laughs> like it's really bad um, and so this whole movie there's been these like these hatchets that are in his garage Right. And they're they on the wall. They're like in a little, little case. It's, I don't, I, they're special. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I'm sure in the book, they're, they're explained for pages about like what Forge made them and, you know, what the tempering of the steel is and all that stuff. I'm sure all of that's fully explained. But in this one, it's just some hatchets hanging on a fucking wall in his garage. Cool. And so he, <laughs> he pulls out one of these hatchets that he's brought with him and he shows it to the guy. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever, man, hatchet, whatever. Right. <laughs> I read that Gary Paulson book. I wasn't scared. Uh, <laughs> But so he he pulls it out, shows it to the guy, and then he guts him with it. Oh! Actually, actually guts him, disembowels mm. him in real time with this 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 hatchet. Mm. And so we're watching that, and uh, and you know, I'm sitting there. and I'm like, okay, all right, disemboweling. Uh, that's okay. Escal- it's an escalation from the shooty shooting man in the head thing, but okay. So disembowel. Great. Yeah, he's he's disemboweled. Man dead. We're moving on. But no, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> so he disembowels him, and Chris Pratt is standing there, f- f- I'll say fondling the man's intestines in front of him, oh. right? Um, and so he takes one strand of intestine, I'm presuming it was small intestine based on its diameter, takes one strand of small intestine, and he he lifts it above the guy's head, because again, he's still like hanging next to a pole, and, and he takes the hatchet that he just used to disembowel him, and he drives the hatchet into the pole with the intestine attached. And so the, the intestines, this man's intestines are now hanging from the hatchet attached to the pole.
1: What the fuck?
0: Then he, he, he takes the handcuffs off the guy, like frees him and then picks him back up after he falls to the ground, screaming in pain, picks him back up and he says, I need you to go for a walk. And then he proceeds to make the man walk across the room Disem, therefore disemboweling himself because his, his intestines are still attached to the pole behind him with attach it Now, granted, he doesn't make it very far. I
1: <laughs> wonder why.
0: <laughs> like, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but he doesn't make it very far. Um, and then he dies, but it was a real moment of like, whoa, we've, ah. we've raised the bar for our, our fury here. Now, again, in the course of the show, the band, this very bad man from Mexico that did this very bad thing. He has very strong reasons to dislike this very bad man, but
1: I don't know about even, that.
0: That's... Even other characters in the show who are helping him accomplish this mission of rage were like, shit, man. <laughs> yes.
2: uh,
0: so, yeah, that's that's the terminal list. That's what the, the kind of show that you're getting into when you watch the terminal list. Um, because it is a list of people who will soon be terminal.
2: Well, um, I,
0: I, I didn't hate it wall to wall. I really didn't. There were some interesting things in it. I have, I certainly appreciate a film that does, or a show, I guess in this case, that does take the time to understand, you know, how a military truly operates and the things that they really go through. That It's, you know, like I get that, you know, it's, it's kind of like going back and watching commando and being like, none of this is how that would go. But it, it there's space in the world for both of those things, I guess. I'm what I'm saying, but uh, Terminalist, I just think I don't know who it's for, right? Like other than that sort of like alt right, like yeah, America, you know, kind of thing. I don't, <laughs> so you I mean don't know weirdos. What... <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, and I'm a dude. I mean, I've read like 20 Tom Clancy novels, right? Like I'm probably the target audience for this, right? Like in a lot of ways. But, but even I was sort of taken aback by some of the choices that it made.
1: Um, that just sounds really violent. And I mean, we talked about Mandy on this, this very podcast yeah. and we were like, ah, that was fun. But
0: right. But that's, that's just it. Like if you see a man get disemboweled in a movie like Commando, you're like, "Ha and this one, it's like, oh, I'm watching human suffering right? Like human suffering inflicted at the hands of the hero with zero consideration. Like if there'd been a scene afterwards where he was like being counseled and he's like, I think I went too far. Like, I think I've done, I think I went too hard on that one, guys. Maybe (laughs) I should pull it back, but there's nothing right. It's just, that's it. It's never talked about again. No one ever references again. And again, they're, they're very bad men. I must say that. Right. And as someone who's watched like, you know, Sicario and watched Benicio del Toro murder an entire family.
1: Or, I understand. Or you know, you know, like things like Taken that just have very gleeful violent moments in them don't they're not that violent. Not no, like that.
0: I, here's a funny thing. Um we just rewatched Taken. I love Taken. <laughs> like literally last week. That movie holds up so it's well. It's so good. Great. It's
1: so good.
0: Pierre I went down a Pierre Morel hole after we rewatched Taken <laughs> and I rewatched Yeah, that's a real saw- place in France, <laughs> I hear. Saw- <laughs> It sounds like a real fun place to hang out in France. <laughs> um, but I rewatched District B-13, um, which is also great. Like, I love B-13. That was Pierre Morel. And I just, I watched some of his other movies. I'm like, you know, this dude's, this dude's quality. Of all of the the directors, you know, Louis Leterrier, Olivier Megaton, you know, all of those people that come out of the, the Luc Besson, you know, director, action director factory, uh, I think Morel may actually be my favorite. I, yeah, the is up there too. I like a lot of the stuff that the done, but he's fallen off in the last couple of years. He hasn't done that much. Uh, he did make the dark crystal series, which was fun, but yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, terminal list. Uh, I'm not going to recommend it. I, I don't think, I think there are like three episodes that are pretty solid, but most of it's a lot of like thumb twiddling, staring at screens, Chris Pratt, Googling stuff. Like it's, it's just not, it's not that interesting. Oh, and uh, Constance Wu from uh, Crazy Rich Asians and uh, Fresh Off the Boat plays a a reporter for oh god, what was the name of it? I I am I think my new jam is trying to pay attention to like movies that have website names in them <laughs> um, because you know there's so most website names are taken at this point. Like I'm going to be super honest. Like if you've come up with an original idea and you want to give it a cool name on the internet, that'll be recognizable. You're kind of fucked. Yeah. Like, sorry. That's not going to work. So, so she works for a shit you not the name of her website, this cutting edge news website that they've hired this war journalist to write for is volt stream news.
1: That sounds real. That sounds really real. That's it's my best st- source
0: for news. Oh, it's the stupidest thing i have ever... Saw. I was like,
1: Volt well, stream Well, you know, most news? conservative oh, news sites don't sound real. They probably just could have used a, an actual one, and it it, it would not... Ugh. It would sound fake.
2: It
0: was just... I just laughed. And then there would be a... She has to talk to her, like, editor a bunch of times, and so, like, every time he picks up, he's like, so when are you going to get me this content for Volt Stream?" Like,
1: no. Oh, dear God. It's so stupid.
0: Uh, anyway, so... Terminal list sort of a it's fine I did I mean I watched the series to its completion so I guess that says something but um, yeah it's it's a hard hard one to say it's yeah gonna be on. a no really me, dog
1: <laughs> I'm not watching that <laughs> I, it was
0: it was a rough it was a rough watch at times for sure um, but anyway so if if you're looking for one of those and you haven't watched reacher watch Reacher and then if you're just really bored and you want another one of those then maybe check out terminal there you go um, and then I know we chatted about it briefly in one episode, but uh, definitely check out Kids in the Hall, the, yeah. the rebooted series on Amazon Prime. Oh, so good. So, so good. Uh so anything on Amazon that you've been watching? Anything? Grab we, your
1: we are watching the fourth and final season of Man in the High Castle. Nice. Um, um
0: Still one that I have not gotten into heavily I watched the first few episodes. First but... three
1: seasons were honestly really fun. I had a great time. This season mm-hmm. is weird. Um. I guess. I mean, it's immediately clear that they knew they were canceled. And oh, okay, so they're
0: they're in wrap up.
1: They're right? in they're gotcha. in serious wrap up mode. And then some people are not returning to the series, which means they have to just write them out. Um, oh damn! Yeah, it's it feels weird, and they're also trying to introduce some new characters that just don't have. Anything going for them, character-wise? Um, mm,
0: replacement yeah. characters,
1: yeah. And everyone is doing that thing where this this writing team is either different or it, the the showrunner is different. I haven't looked into it, but none of the characters mm. behave the way they did in any of the other seasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so we've
0: had a hard break. Yeah, like, this is the same person by name, but they don't don't do any of the things you would expect them to.
1: Do. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not enjoying it as much, but I'm committed and I'm going to watch it and sure. then You're I'm going to complain about it. Yeah. Cause that's what you do. Rumble yeah. I'll Twitter. get on Twitter and I'll complain about
0: it. <laughs> yeah. That's when I tend to get into now that I have finished the book. Um, again, not that reading the book is mandatory. I, I've read like the, the base Wikipedia page of the plot and I'm like, Oh, it's nothing like the book. Um, But I I wanted to, you know, I I I read a lot of Philip K. Dick in my younger years. I really did, you know, Android Dream of Electric Sheep and and
1: This does uh, not bear any resemblance to Philip K. Dick. (laughs) Yeah, like it's it's
0: obviously just taking the alternate history idea. But the first
1: the first few seasons did some really fun things with it and Rufus Sewell. Oh my. Mm, I could just watch him act for hours and hours. He's so good and wow i mean the show is worth watching for him um i don't i don't really love what his name alexa devalos she's okay she's -hmm. she's she's okay but uh joel de la fuente is amazing um And uh, uh, what's his name? Oh god, I always want to say Shang Tsung. Uh, Kerry Tagawa. Oh, Kerry Tagawa. He is he is amazing. Like, you you kind of fall in love with his character for the whole thing. Um, sure, lots of lots of really good bit parts. And
0: they have him play because in the book, there's a uh, yeah, he's Tagomi Trade Minister Tagomi. That that makes
1: it like, and and you he will be your favorite just straight up I already know he'll be your favorite because he's my favorite and then (laughs) Joel De La Fuente plays uh, Inspector Keto, and while he's not a good good guy like heavy air quotes good guy you still love him a lot because it's a very deep character and like you kind of hate things that he does but you love him as a person Um, same with Rufus Sewell Rufus Sewell plays a Nazi (laughs) And uh, yeah, and he's... he's just you just I just love him. I just he's so good. Um, awesome. So yeah, it the, the those three seasons are are definitely worth watching. Even if the fourth one stinks, it doesn't matter because um, those three were really good.
0: Sweet. Yeah, we'll have to definitely give that one a try. Uh, I'm certainly interested. Like I said, I think The Boys is probably up next. But then after that, I think Man in the High Castle. But uh, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up with a bit of Netflix, um, and sort of what we've been watching there. Obviously, Netflix has had some major, major summer releases in the last few months. Um, so we're you know there's, there's plenty there. I don't need to go into it. Uh, guess what? Stranger Things is is good. Like it's it's good. Um, they they have infinite money and infinite time, and they were able to make something that was good. I, I don't think anyone should be surprised.
1: Yeah, I I don't. I had a hard time. I kind of struggled through the episodes that I watched. I haven't finished it. Um, Just because... (laughs) We talked about this at work because it it came up one day when I was in the office. And we all kind of agreed that it's really weird how these kids are still just trying to play Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) uh, That's the main conceit of the show. It's like, you've been through so much. And you still just mm-hmm. want to play Dungeons and Dragons, huh? Yeah, that's you've, cool. You've
0: literally, you've literally fought monsters, and now you want to sit down with your and friends like, and that's, fight monsters. And that's yeah. what
1: they're really, truly upset about in the in those early episodes. It's like, man, the DAD Club is falling apart.
0: Yeah, it's it's an. I mean, <laughs> again, I, it's one of those things that I'm sure somebody there is being like, this is what's on brand for us. That these characters yeah. should be super into. this. I mean, it,
1: it's a lunchbox you know. and T-shirt show all the way
0: I unfortunately yes like Netflix has has unfortunately well it's it's mainstream success has elevated it yeah um I will say I I'll be interested to see if you're what your thoughts are at the end of the season because it it does make some choices about things um that I think are, are sort of interesting for what where we might go next like where the the next you know season or, or reportedly the final season of Stranger Things will take us but Um, We were pretty pleased with it. We binged it hard as a family, um, which, you know, it's kind of like Johnny Mnemonic was the first R-rated movie uh, I saw in the theater. So I kind of love it, even though it's terrible. Yeah. Like it's just so binging and like eating popcorn, laying around with my kids and my wife and, and just sort of binging through a show like that in a day or two is fun. Like that is fun. And I liked that. And so like stranger things will always kind of be conflated with those emotions in my mind, I think, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I think it's certainly a, it's a better total season than season three was. Although I don't think that's hard. Um, You know, so I'm, I'm pleased that they've been able to sort of find a groove that I feel like they can execute on to the end of the series. Well, yeah. Right. And that in and of itself for a show that's become this big and undoubtedly unwieldy for, to manage, that's probably the best you can hope for, to be honest. Um, I just hope that they've got the time to really write the scripts and, and like execute their plan and nothing sort of gets in the way. Cause apparently the pandemic gave them some time to flesh things out in ways that they maybe wouldn't have if they hadn't been given those extra few months to think about things and plan things and, and do what have you. So, Um, Yeah, Stranger Things 4, you know, solid thumbs up. It's a good you know season of spooky television. I will say unequivocally, I like that the show feels like it's going back to its horror roots, which we had definitely gotten away from that. Because this, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street was always an influence for the series. I mean, one of the characters is named fucking Nancy. I mean, Jesus. Um, And this is the first season that feels like they're going, they're actually going for that. Right. They're going for the the serial killer coming after you, trying to take you out like, you know, he's coming for you in your dreams, Barbara, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And that's that's fun. I like that the show kind of leaned harder back into that instead of, you know, this more sort of nebulous thing that we'd gotten for the last few seasons. But in any case, uh, not too bad. Um, I'll go ahead and throw out the Umbrella Academy season three. We also went through that uh, before Stranger Things came out. Uh, or before the second part of Stranger Things came out, I guess. And man, I just, I love that show. I, it's, it's really hard for, it's, I'm not going to say it's a great show. I don't know if it is. I, it's certainly got its problems, but I love the characters. I love the way the characters are mixed together. I love the writing. I like a lot of the visuals. Just, it's a show that for me in particular, it just kind of works. It helps that I love the comics. Um, not all of them. The comics are way weirder than the show. Like, oh my God. Like if you read the comics, the show's going to be like, this show is tame compared to where the comics go. But it's it's just a really great mix. Um, it's another one that uh, I, I think, you know, if if you're looking for something to watch and you want something that's a little weird, maybe has some superhero elements, but they're totally backgrounded for this like fucked up family drama. It, it's certainly going to fit the bill. It's it's pretty good. This season, I feel like they were very... Apparently, they were very pandemic-restrained with this season, and they had to rewrite a lot of things on the fly to accommodate not being able to go to particular locations or be outside, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so that changed some things, but I, I still think it was a very strong season for the most part and, and quite a bit of fun. And then, of course, this is the season uh, they actually... Elliot page was a- allowed to transition in the show yeah, to mirror his transition in life. And the way the show handled it was kind of achingly gorgeous, just not because it was overblown or like there was a ceremony or they got up balloons <laughs> or anything like there was nothing like that. It was just a, I've changed. This is who I am. And, and this is who I, who I am now. And the, and the, and the, all of the siblings were like, "Oh, okay, nice. cool. we love we love you," you know, like it's fine. And and it was just it was handled gorgeously. You could tell that the the cast and the crew were 100 on board. We're doing this. This is this is what we want. And and it was it was just it was lovely. That was a lovely little side like meta component of the show. It's not a focal point. You know, there's no there's no like we're gonna spend an entire episode sort of. Trying to in-universe justify what's happening here. It's just a this is it and it was That's it was great. really nice It was nicely done and um, I saw in an, an interview with uh, Elliot Page One of the first that he's done In a while um, On Seth Meyers of all places and they talked almost exclusively about um, transition and, and life post-transition and it was obvious, at least to me, that for Elliot, the response to it is still very raw. Um, because a lot of it was not positive and remains not positive. And um, there were there were several times where he, he choked up trying to talk about mm. what was going on. And I will say that in the show, none of that is there. It's very joyful. And, and I think good. that's great. I think it was good. So in any case, Umbrella Academy Season 3. To give you an indication of, of just how messed up in the head I am, which should be obvious at this point. Um, I was sitting watching it, and so all of the Umbrella Academy members, they have this little tattoo on their wrist, right? It's like a circle with a little umbrella in it. It's very simple, very cool. And so I was sitting there watching that, and one of the characters was like drinking something, and you got a little glimpse of it. Because, again, it's not emphasized. It's just on there It's part of their you know, character design. And, and I was sitting there being like, you know, I think I could do a tattoo like that. I think I would like that. You know, just something small on my wrist, you know, umbrella Academy. And so we finished that episode or something. We're getting drinks and I look at my wife and I'm like, you know, I think I could have a tattoo like that. And she kind of made this face at me and I was like, Oh God, did I say something dumb? Was it like, Oh, you're, you're a 42 year old man. Stop talking about dumb shit like that. Um, or whatever. But she looked at me and she said, I had the exact same thought. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yep, I get it. Let's, so our anniversary is coming up. So I was like, Hey, Hey, Make that an anniversary present. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so Umbrella Academy, thumbs up. Season three was lovely. I hope they get a chance to do four. Steve Blackman, the show creator, has said that if it if they don't, then this is this could theoretically wrap the series, and and you would be okay. Um, but I, I get the feeling they've they've got one more story in the tank to wrap everything up and sort of close it out. So I hope they get that chance. Um, the show did very well on Netflix, as it always does. But, you know, who knows? The Netflix algorithm, who knows what taste clusters have been activated, you know, <laughs> Academy, and, and whether or not those taste clusters are the ones that they want activated. Maybe there's a taste cluster over here that's not being activated and they, they need a show for that. You know, when you watch Barry season three, that everything I've just said now is going to make you laugh so hard. <laughs> like you're just going to be like, oh, I get it now. That's it. Um, so those were my two. Uh, you had a couple as well that uh, you wanted to throw uh,
1: out. For Netflix, I... Okay. couple of movies that I watched this, this year. One of them was uh, the stop-motion animation shorts uh, called The House. Um, super weird. However, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of a uh, little bit surreal definite definitely creepy um, and even the last one was was kind of touching, but uh, it's that it's that really kind of weird like um uh, almost knitted stop motion animation looks cool um so that was really good. it's I mean, it's very short, so it's one of those like why mm-hmm. not watch it especially if you like animation at all, which uh, my partner loves loves anything animated, so that's that's kind of why he was interested in it. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's all about. Uh, maybe I don't think it's one specific house. No, it is. It is. It's just one specific house, and sort of three different stories that take place. It's the the construction of this very strange, very peculiar house. Um, uh, a sort of present day story except it's anthropomorphic rats of the house being renovated and then mm-hmm. some giant bugs moving into it it was really that one was really funny uh and then the last one is sort of this futuristic house is in decay and there's a, a, a anthropomorphic cat trying to fix it up and <laughs> the world is just sort of crumbling around her it's like some sort of flooded future it's it was. It's really oh, okay. interesting. Sounds um, cool. That was good. I also watched a Swedish film called Black Crab. Uh, Ooh. krabba. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has Numi Rapas in it, and uh, it was post-apocalyptic ice skating. Um, it was. I don't know. I I, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it a lot. It's. Um, uh, and it's it's a war. I don't know who they're fighting in this war. Like that's that's the one thing that was never really clear. Is it's in it's set in the future. It's in Sweden, and Sweden is fighting someone. Okay. I don't know who. I'm going to assume that it's Finland, <laughs> but only because <laughs> I I just have no idea. So I just made right. something up. It who might even it be. be I mean, it might have even been like other Swedes. I'm just, I have no idea. And the movie does not belabor that because it really doesn't matter, I guess. Um, But it's all about, uh, she is like a speed skater and certified badass who is brought in with a team to speed skate across the ice-covered archipelago Mm -hmm. to deliver some canisters of a of a uh, of an unknown origin you eventually find out what's in the canisters and it's a very big deal but they have to deliver these canisters to a research base and they can't do it by helicopter or by vehicle because the enemy will spot them the only way to do it is to ice skate across the water at night what other options do we have um and it's really ridiculous and and at the same time it's kind of exciting and the skating scenes are kind of exciting um like i'm not i've i've been ice skating once in my life so i don't know anything about how to be a good skater of course my partner who grew up in finland they they learned to skate pretty much all of them learned to skate and a lot of them play hockey so he was like they're not even very good skaters i didn't notice that i thought everyone was a great ice skater um
0: (laughs) yeah it's like people who know how to play violin like watching somebody play violin in a movie and be like oh that's wrong
1: or like ballerinas watching black swan where they're like she's not a very good ballerina at all like i really can't tell um so yeah it's uh i think it was based on a book um Obviously, I probably, I mean, I don't know if it was, but it was recommended to me by uh, some Swedes, and I really had a good time. And it, it was it was perfectly easy to watch. I mean, of course, we watched it with uh, subtitles. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a shitty English dub if somebody wants to watch that oh, in that way.
0: Oh, I can't way. imagine that's any good. Um,
1: but it was it was fun. The action was was good. I, I liked all of the characters. I liked how it ended. I thought it I thought it had a really good wrap-up. It kinda has this uh through line where she was separated from her daughter when the conflict between the Swedes and whoever began. Um and she's worked as a soldier and she's and she's volunteered so that she can try and find her daughter and so that's kind of her motivation, and, you know, Numi Rapace is a badass, and I love watching her do things. Um, I'm going to ask
0: you this, and I, I think I know the answer, but is Numi Rapace the new Liam Neeson? I think she is. I think she's because like... like, I'm looking at her filmography, It's she's done, like, nothing but, like, yeah, badass action films yeah. for the last, like, two years. I would or love like to watch a years. remake
1: of Taken, but it's her...
0: <laughs> but it's Numi Rafaz
1: like, ass.
0: like it's it's remarkable like her she's just all over
1: the place she was absolutely I mean, I guess, great know. in the movie I mean I I enjoyed her performance the most I mean and and everybody was good I don't know a lot of these actors because they're, they're I guess they're big in Sweden and I don't know I just got here um <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's a Netflix movie so it is available it should be available worldwide but but uh, everybody here was kind of watching it and excited about it. Game developers were certainly excited about it. Um, oh, my God.
0: Númi Mirapace is the new Liam Neeson. She's getting ready to make a movie with Camille Delamar. <clears throat> and Camille Delamar is the director of the Transporter Refueled. He's nice. another one of
1: the nice. song
0: guys. He made the American remake of District B-13, Brick Mansions, perfect. The, last, the last Paul Walker movie. Perfect. And she's making a movie called Assassin's Club.
1: That's perfect. Oh,
0: my God. Yes. Numi Rapace, please be our new Liam Neeson. Please we show us you. how, <laughs> please show us how, and and a, a not even an aging actor, she's what, 40 something?
2: <laughs> yeah. Like
0: how an aging actor can just become an action superstar. Let's continue that trend because I love it.
1: Um, so yeah, that one's that's a strong recommend from me. I had lots of fun watching that. Um, and then the last one is sort of a funny story. I'm watching the last season of Better Call Saul.
0: Mm, but that's here's another. That's
1: but here's the thing, I have never seen Better Call Saul before this season. <laughs> so I've okay. also and I've also only seen the first maybe like six episodes of breaking Bad, so i don't have (laughs) any idea what's going on a lot of
0: questions (laughs) a lot of questions going on back and forth you're like who is that what is
1: this (laughs) well what is happening the biggest mistake was that my my partner just assumed That I had seen it. because you had seen
0: it, because who hadn't watched Better Call Saul?
1: Yeah, like everybody's watched Breaking Bad. And, you know, if you like Breaking Bad, of course you'll watch Better Call Saul. And here's the thing, I always meant to watch them. I really did. But I'm just so busy. And (laughs) so when he said, like, who do you want to watch the new season of Better Call Saul? I knew he was really excited about it, because he's a big fan. And not so much of Breaking Mm. Bad, he said he really likes Better Call Saul, because it's it's easy for him to follow. He doesn't have any trouble with like keeping the characters straight because I don't know, English is like his third language. So I'm, I don't blame mm-hmm. him for being frustrated with how weird television is. Um, and I just didn't say anything. I didn't say like, Oh, I've never seen it because then he'll have that. Oh, now we got to watch the whole thing again. And, I knew he just wanted to watch the season, so I was like, yeah, let's watch it. Right. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so
1: that. I've just had a crash course in everything, <laughs> like, who is Salamanca? I I know now, but I did not. You
0: do now, yeah. Uh,
1: Hector who, Salamanca. Oh, and you know, I do really love uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I, I just think he's amazing. And uh, now I get all those memes with Gus Spring in them. I get it. Um, and of course I love Bob Odenkirk. I I love him.
0: He is so good. Did you you watched uh, his John Wick movie, right? Nobody? Oh yes. Um yeah. I my god. Just so think
1: good. he's great. But it was, I think, the third episode where my my partner turned to me and he was like, Well, you remember in like season two when and i was like oh uh no of of course no i don't remember that because i've never seen this show before (laughs) and he's like well why the fuck are you watching it (laughs) oh
0: man but needless to say i'm
1: really enjoying better call saul i had a lot of reading to do though (laughs)
0: Pretty good, yeah. You're gonna have to just several Wikipedia pages that will need to be consumed to understand where that shows at. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, the one um, upside is that I'm able to like pay attention to how the episodes look, I guess. So the sure, the opening yeah. of of this current season, which I I think is season number six, um, absolutely did, yeah. beautiful, beautifully filmed every frame of painting kind of direction on it it was really great um
0: it seems like their their production team is is working at a very high level fabulous. at this point they kind of know exactly what they're doing which is super cool
1: um so yeah i i recommend the show uh probably start with season 1 though if you've never seen it <laughs>
0: Okay, good advice. Let me note that down. When watching shows, start, start with, with the first one. one. Okay. All right, yes, got it. Very nice.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's good. I'm glad you can still get something out of it even even with, you know, it's nice that you can still and that, sort of engage with it and enjoy it. That's
1: that great. really is a miracle and and speaks to good writing though because I I sort of True. instantly caught mm-hmm. up with what was happening. I mean, I, you know, I'm joking about it now, but I was able to absorb these characters and these relationships within just a couple of episodes. And that's, that's remarkable writing. It really is. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and when they can do it and have it be seamless and they're not like pausing the entirety of what's going on to sort of have a character explain and catch you up. Yeah. There's no opening
1: crawl. There's no flashback scenes. (laughs) There's, there's nothing that, that I needed to feel at home with these characters and the relationships that they have, and that's that's really cool.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, that's another one that's a bit of a blind spot for me. I need to I need to get to it. I may start at season one, though.
1: That may be. Yeah, yeah. I. That's a that's a smart <laughs> choice. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me more about Hector Salamanca then. <laughs>
0: and perhaps yes, ah Salamanca, uh I well I did watch Breaking Bad, so I I am aware of the, the Breaking Bad rendition of that character and. <gasps> Sort of his interactions with that, um, but Breaking Bad was—I I was not super hot on Breaking Bad when it was on. Like I—I I knew it was good, like it was very good, but I was not like, "I'm going to be a chemistry teacher and make math in my, <laughs> in my RV." You know, like I was not one of those fans where it's like, "What would it take to make some blue meth?" Um, but uh, yeah, no, I—I'm—I I, I, loved that co- that character and and where he went after that. So I, I need to pick up with Better Call Saul and, and go through that too. Um, All right, very cool. I, I, I know we wanted to talk about um, everything, everywhere, all at once very briefly. I, I just had one more thing I wanted to mention and that is actually a sad thing that makes me very sad and that is that Adult Swim or should I say Warner oh, Discovery, the new conglomerate
1: Big mistake. Has
0: cancelled. Joe, Joe Parra, Parra talks, talks, talks
1: with you. With you. They, Bullshit.
0: A show a show that if it, it can't cost more than $50,000 a season, like, I just don't understand how that show, how somebody ran the metrics of that show and figured out that it wasn't worth the undoubtedly low production cost. Like, I just, I don't understand it. I'm sure it's just a victim of, you know, Warner and discovery just slammed together in this new conglomerate and they're all trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. And they probably just canceled it because somebody saw an episode of it and was like, what is this? I don't get it. Canceled. But, like, it's the one show that we need right now.
1: Yeah. Right? like It's the oh, only show that we sad. need right
0: now. Super sad. Um, I just, I really hope that they aren't huge dicks and they let him take the concept, maybe not the name, I don't know, but they let him take the concept and the characters and go do other things with them. Yeah. Because I, I really feel... Like there's there's just so much more that can be done with those characters and with that set that that setup, it's just it's it's just it was soul crushing so much so that I immediately went to his website, and he's doing a show in Nashville, in November, and I just came downstairs. I said I looked at my wife. I said please please I need a hug, and she hugged me. And I'm like we're going to see Joe Paronov in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> like it's happening. Where there's no questions, and so we like it's set up, we're ready to go, because um, it just I I understand that it's not for everybody, right? Like you watch that show and you're like, what is this? I don't get this. You know, but you know, it I has I a
1: seriously loyal fan base. It has people Tremendous. who love it. Tremendous.
0: And it's and it's because it came out. Well, it it didn't come out, but it it hit and became successful during the pandemic when people were looking. for comfort Mm -hmm. for normality, for a sense of connectedness with another human being. And, you know, it, it, and it provides that in the most honest and sincere way possible. So if you've never watched Joe Parra talks with you, and I realize a lot of people have not, that's probably why I got canceled. It is all on HBO max. Now you can also watch it on adult swim if you have a login or whatever, but um, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant show. I mean, Again, this is a show where an entire episode of the third season was devoted to the concept of the Midwestern second fridge
2: <laughs>
0: and espousing what that's for and how it's used and what you should do with it. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, so I don't know. It, I, that was a, a heartbreaking thing, especially, you know, it sounds like he was sort of shocked. He was driving back from a show. Yeah. Um, they just called him in the car and said like, hey, you're not going to have a show anymore. That sucked. And and he was was trying to reconcile it. So we'll, um, we'll get yeah. some
1: fast food. Yeah,
0: I'll go stop some fast food and eat a chicken sandwich. Try and figure out what I'm going to do next. And, so
1: precious. Um,
0: yeah, it's great, and not to mention, you know, the supporting cast in that show is fantastic. Connor O'Malley, who is hilarious. If you do, if you don't follow Connor O'Malley on Twitter, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, some, <laughs> have you ever seen his old GTA shorts? It's just him like walking through the downtown plaza in Boston, and he's pretending like he's in a GTA <laughs> um, game, yes. walking out to people. It's so funny. But anyway, so Connor O'Malley, Joe Firestone, Joe Firestone, is so good in Joe Para, like such a full, fully featured and well rounded character by the end of the third season. So fantastic. I'm just great. It's a great show. It's a tragedy that it's been canceled. I'm so angry about it that I want to just. I want to write a letter and have someone at Warner say that means a billion people are angry, but I know it won't matter. And, and that makes me sad. So in any case, uh, Joe Parra talks with you, go watch the episodes that you have access to. Uh, Okay. So we'll wrap up, not with TV shows and and media, but with uh, a movie and a great movie at that. Everything, everywhere, all at once directed by Daniels. Uh, So I'll let you say, I, I, what, Express. Express yourself. What do you feel about this film?
1: Um, Everyone kept saying, get ready to be emotional and to experience some emotions. And I was like, no. I don't want to experience any emotions. I don't want to feel things when I watch movies. (laughs) I just want to watch the movie. Um, And I cried. I wept uh, yeah. I I think that was one of the best movies that I've seen in a long time. And sure. everybody I love was in it. And they were all great.
0: Yeah. Um, um at this point, I feel like this movie is one of the ones that's actually in danger of people overhyping it too much. I think it's gotten such good buzz that I think it's possible now that somebody could come in expecting, even though this film delivers on so many levels, like so delivers. I still feel like there are people who come and be like, "I don't know, I think I was okay."
1: I think the one saving right. grace is that there's no way to explain it. That helps. Yes. <laughs> like,
0: um, I two things work against it. One, the fact that multiverses are becoming part of pop culture via the Marvel Universe.
2: Yeah,
0: I think if this movie had come out. Ten years ago, which apparently they tried, but it just couldn't work. If it had come out ten years ago when multiverses were an unknown quantity. I think it would have absolutely blown people's minds from top to bottom. Now, conversely, people being aware of multiverses maybe helped the movie be able to be better understood. So I get that. You know, it's kind of like going back and watching Primer. Like if you watch enough time travel movies. Shane Carruth's primer isn't really that complicated, but if you don't really want have a lot of experience with the concept of time travel, the consequences of time travel, that movie is just a nightmare of confusion. I I could see it sort of working both ways, but um, so everything everywhere all at once, that was the thing that surprised me as well is how deeply emotional it was as a story. It is a, as, as Vin Diesel has taught us, it's about family.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: So, yeah, that's it. But, but, uh, but, but this, in this case, it truly is right. Not the weird concept of like car families that Vin Diesel has, but like an actual family with wounds that have never healed. Uh, right. Like I, I, I both laughed and cried when she's, you know, because the main character in this film is, is experiencing many universes, many paths, many potential paths that she could have taken through her life. And she's getting to see all these different avenues and she's going back in time and forward in time and all this different stuff. But when they go back and she's being born and the doctor holds her to the dad and is like, I'm sorry, it's a girl. <laughs> right? And then like the great James, James Fong, uh, his face is like smiling. And then he just kind of goes like, what? You know, and the, the look on his face, like, There's so much sort of going on underneath the surface that actually provides the true dramatic engine of that story. If it was just the multiverse story about the lady who owns a laundromat fighting, you know, some creature across space and time, that's Uh, not that interesting. That wouldn't be anything. You know, I mean, we've not that we've necessarily seen that before, but we've certainly seen enough like it to be like, yeah, okay, it's, it's clever, it's shot well, we're done here. But this one sort of adds this layer where the The journey these characters are going on is so complicated, and interesting, and beautiful that you know when we get to the point in the film that Short Round turns around and says, "You know, I think I could have enjoyed a life where I did laundry and paid taxes with you." You just go like, "Oh God,
1: <laughs> Short um, Round, you got me
0: again." <laughs> it's just, it's so good.
1: I <clears throat> I love Michelle Yeoh. I I love yep. her so much um for for a lot of movies that she's been in um but i have this wonderful memory uh one of the first movies that i saw by myself in a theater was crouching tiger hidden dragon i actually Mm -hmm. did a double feature with that and oh brother where art thou (laughs) Um I saw both of those what movies at once. Like it was an amazing combo. I walked away from both like, wow, movies. Uh but I have this this wonderful treasured memory of seeing that by myself when it was in the theaters and kind of falling in love with her a little bit just because she was mm-hmm. such a badass. She was like so cool and so beautiful and to see her in this movie, it she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, it is a tour de force for her. And I've watched several interviews with her where she straight up said, this is the first time as as an Asian actress, I feel like I am truly getting to something about myself. Maybe not that. That's more reductive than what she was saying. But in essence, this is one of the first times where she felt that a part was truly built in such a way that she could that she was given the opportunity to truly act, you know, and, and it's, she kills it. Like she kills it. Like, uh, Kihi Kwan, you know, again, I, I call him short round because he'll always be short round, but he's amazing. He's amazing. The fact that he hasn't been acting is a crime and I hope it gets rectified quickly. Um, everybody was good. Like, and that's really what it is. Like, I think part of it is this is an original film made by talented people. That's telling a unique story in a way that is uncommon to tell it. Yeah. And, and people are hitting that and going like, wow, this is great. And I'm like, you know, in the seventies, all movies were this, (laughs) right? Like, yeah, this was all movies because studios weren't obsessed with reboots and profit margins and safe, bets right they certainly were I mean I don't want to make it seem like it was some idyllic time but there was there was a voice at the studio at least somewhere that was saying hey we got this Coppola kid he's kind of a douche you know he's a little bit of a dick uh, he likes the ladies though um, he, he's got he's got this idea for I don't know it's some kind of war movie he wants to base it in, you remember that book they made you read in high school that, that shit about the guy going up the boat up the river in the boat he wants to make that into a Vietnam movie I don't. I mean, <laughs> sounds all right. Whatever. Rando's interested. He he might do it. And then they're like, yeah, give him a couple million. Let him go do it. Gives shit, you know. And then it's like, you know, you get what you get. And and we just were that is so much more difficult to pull off now. And and the Daniels pulled it off. Like they got somebody to give them enough money to back them to do it. Um, so if A24 is the last place that's willing to do this kind of stuff, then please please give them more money. I guess I need to go see Alex Garland's men and whatever theater it's playing. <laughs> so they know that I want more stuff like this, but it's, it's just strange. And it's, I think this movie should, the lesson Hollywood should learn from everything everywhere. All at once is we need to take talented people, give them resources and let them produce truly incredible things. Yeah. Is that the lesson Hollywood will learn?
1: No, no, no. they'll <laughs> try to make three more movies that are exactly like this and they will fail. Right.
0: Exactly. You will just see copycats and impersonators. Because none of them and...
1: will have Michelle Yeoh saying Jobutapaki in like 800 <laughs> different ways or remembering Ratatouille yeah. as Rakakuni <laughs> Oh no, rakakuni <laughs> No, you remember Rakakuni. Do you mean Ratatouille? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that was funny. <laughs> that
0: was good. Yeah, I mean, so I, there are certainly things about it that are... are the movie is not perfection, right? It's clunky at times. It's, it, I've heard some people, you know, say it leans too hard into meme culture and you know, a so random, you know, kind of stuff. But I, I never got that impression when I was watching it. It just seemed like these are things we think are funny, you know, like hot dog hands are funny. Therefore, we did hot dog hands. <laughs> like that's really all it felt like, you know. Um, but it's, it's truly, it, it is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a breath of fresh air in in a constant output of very samey stuff. It's unique and interesting and brilliant, and Michelle Yeoh is incredible, and and you know it. Again, it you know, just reminds you how fun movies can be. Yeah, like you know, movies can be cool and they can be interesting and original and something that you've never seen before. Instead of oh, they're this is our seventeenth sequel in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. You know, like it's uh, and I again I can't talk because I love that shit too, but I'm gonna go see Thor four later. Thor four I'm I'm gonna go see Thor four later Thor today. Thor. Um, and I'm gonna enjoy it because I like I like Taika Waititi and I like what those characters are doing when he's in control. Um, but I I know what I'm getting in that deal. Yeah, and everything everywhere all at once is i don't know what i'm getting and then what i got was so good that it's it's gonna leave a mark you know kind of thing and and that's great that's really good so i'm I'm glad you had a similar experience not to say that i i didn't think you would but yeah it was a a moving film and a a really really well done one i'm anxious to see what daniels do next because i didn't love swiss army man like it was it was Interesting and fun, but I didn't, I didn't like fall over dead for it. But this yeah. one was really good.
1: So, but I did really right. well, love then... their take on "Turn Down for What." That was great. Y- yeah. <laughs> Iconic. It <laughs> <video> was
0: fantastic. <laughs> it was top to bottom. <laughs> and apparently, the guy who starts dancing—that is one of the Daniels. I didn't realize that yeah. for years. Yeah, that's actually one of them though. Like, okay, he's the one that started the the, the trend. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we've we've gone on for much longer than we initially intended to, as is want to happen most of the time. But uh, anything else you want to talk about, or uh, I, before we wrap it up,
1: I think that's that's it for me. All right, good deal.
0: All right. Well, if somebody wants to reach out over yon internet to the infernal hellscape known as Twitter and let you know what they think about something, where can they do that?
1: Uh, catch me at my Michelle Yeoh fan club, which is Baskinator on Twitter.
0: That's right. And you can get me at my short round fan club, uh, the Kihi Quantumites, at uh, T Baskin. If you want to talk to me eee. about some of our choices and picks here today. Um, then of course you can get us at F Peace theater. That's our sort of like combo uh, Twitter handle. So if you want to follow us there, that's great too. And you can email us at failure piece at gmail.com. Uh, well, thanks for hanging out while we caught up over the summer. Both. It was our chance to catch up after one of us got to go on a fantastic and magical vacation to i don't a know beautiful who that is european land i don't i don't know who it was it was one of us though and and they certainly seem better off for mm. it uh and then one of us sat in an office and stared at a computer and it was fine and it was great and everybody had a great time and it was good but uh in any case we will be back uh next time uh and it looks like just as a little tease we're going to be talking about the grudge
1: Yet another uh, but not
0: the, grudge. <laughs> but not the good one. Yeah, the bad it's one. It's like the Denny's. No, not the not no, not that Denny's. The other one. Right? This is more <laughs> like
1: the Waffle House of Grudge movies. Uh
0: maybe even Huddle House. We might be getting to Huddle House levels of grudge. Ooh. Oh <laughs> that building seems too small to have a restaurant like that. <laughs> um But uh no, in any case, we will be back to uh, talk about another potential failure piece and whether or not it's still worth your time. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you then.
1: Bye bye.